Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, this is Brian from Comic Store West. Uh, my favorite thing of 2017. I tried to get healthier in the year. Um, I did my first 5K. We'll see if I go any higher than that, but uh, I'm definitely planning on trying to do one a month or one every other month. It, it helps you get some health insurance perks out of that. But So yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to stay healthy. And I think the, the wife is trying to get me to do some, something with her at a gym or yoga. So, so we'll see. 2018 might be uh, the healthy year for me. At the store, similar to last year, we had we had some really good charitable events this year. Same ones as last year, but like we like to do every year, we like to, to grow it and make make more for the charities. And we've done that this year for all of our charities. The Martin Memorial Library with Free Comic Book Day, Johns Hopkins with uh, Johns Hopkins Children's Center with our with our gaming events. So we're gonna keep working on that and try to try to beat that again. You know, every every year I try to I try to beat it every year and my employees are starting to get mad at me because sometimes I put set too high of goals. But so far we've done it so we're gonna we're gonna keep trying. From Geppetto Studios in Shrewsbury, Pennsylvania, welcome to the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, where we talk about movies, comics, music, books, and whatever else we feel like. Please welcome your host, this is not going to go the way you think, Brad Mendenhall. Hey everybody, it is the first Cosmic Geppetto podcast of 2018. Happy New Year. It is a jam-packed episode. Pretty much the entire world has seen The Last Jedi, and joining us to talk about the film is Brian Walterstorff from Comic Store West, Dave Palace from 5 Minutes of Mystery, Thomas Howitt from NeverEnding Minute, also from NeverEnding Minute, Tierney, Mike Watson from Freestyle Comics, Sprinkled throughout the show, we have some of our panelists and guests sharing their favorite things from 2017. But first, speaking of favorite things from 2017, my personal selections have to be the very funny web series, The Room Actors, Where Are They Now? A mockumentary written and directed by the talented Robin Paris. This series, which you can find on Funny or Die, is a must for fans of the epically bad movie, The Room. Also on my favorite lists are the excellent documentaries I saw this year, including Centralia, Pennsylvania's Lost Town, which I saw in theaters, 
and Ghost Heads, which I saw on Netflix. I have been lucky enough to interview Joe Sapienza, Centralia's director, and Ray Esposito, a Ghost Head producer, is a recurring Geppetto panelist. More proof that the Cosmic Geppetto podcast finds the most talented people in entertainment. Back at Comic Store West, the best comic shop in Pennsylvania. Hi, Brad. Hey, we're Brian Walters. Door, Brian. How you doing? Good, good. It's been a little too long. It's been it, a little too long. It's been a busy year. Yeah, jeez, bigger year than last year. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And lots, lots going on. Just, just like last year, but, but even more than, even more going on than last year. I, you know, I thought we couldn't get any busier but with conventions and everything else there's always always something new something something that different going on there's been a lot of talk about how i know marvel just canceled a bunch of books i know hawkeye and a couple others yep. and a lot of talk about the direction their sales are going in have you noticed a dip in sales for them or is it being made up for by other groups or overall uh, i think through the comics industry uh it is down this year compared to what it's been. I mean, now the past five years has been higher than than it's been in a long time. That's got to come down eventually. We've seen that this year, and I, I think Marvel has has seen it more than anybody else, and we we've seen it also with our Marvel sales and stuff. Yeah, down a little bit, but uh, not nothing to be concerned about. But I can see where they've got to trim the fat and and they've got to get rid of some some of their books that aren't selling i i read the same same article with the the list of cancellations i'm kind of surprised that some of the books that are canceled have higher actually have higher sales than some of their their classic their classic books mm-hmm. so they, they are trying to keep their their <clears throat> classic books even though they might be be hurt with sales and stuff but I've said all along that that Marvel and DC both need to to trim the fat and really they they put too many comics out. The talent pool just isn't there. So there's going to be books that suck. If you trim the fat, get rid of some of these books and get good talent on on your legacy books or your 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 hardcore books, I think it's I think it could bring the industry back up. Just because you're selling just because you're producing a lot of books doesn't mean you're make you're 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 making a lot of money. You have a lot of books out there, but they, a lot of overhead yeah. and 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 when you have so many books and you need to spread your talents so then you don't get to focus on talent. There's some really great artists out there. The guy who's been doing the art on Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man for a while. Uh he also did the uh, I can't think of his name either. He did a he he also did the he he followed Bagley up on Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, still, uh, a moment. There's but really good artists. But yeah. Uh, I know Mike Hawthorne. I think is gonna be taking over Amazing Spider-Man. He did Deadpool work. Right. Really yep. good artist. Yeah, he's a local guy. Yeah, so many good artists, but it's almost hard to find them because there's so many books out. And well, and and I get I get the the theory is to to put a, a large variety of books out and see what sticks. You know, see see what people start to 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 buy and stuff but 
I mean, it's just too much, and you don't have the the creators and the talent to to handle that many books. So you, you really gotta. Hey. Yeah, Angel got its wings. Angel got its wings. So yeah, you you really gotta consolidate and and decide you know the direction that you want to go with the characters that you want to use, and then start from there and and keep it toned down, and then sure. On occasion, you, you put out a limited series here and there and stuff, but and they don't do limited series anymore like they used well, to. Well, actually, every well, <laughs> everything everything is. everything's a limited series. Uh, they just don't tell you about it anymore because right. they think that hurts sales too. So they even if they're planning on a certain series to be limited to six issues, most of the time they won't tell you. They they think that keeps people away, and they'll just wait for the trade to come out. Well, but that's not what we we're here to talk about. It's Star Wars came out, oh. Last Jedi. You are our Star Wars guy. I love Star Wars. You do. Last Jedi came out. I saw it. Uh, I saw it the Friday it came out. When, when did you see it? I, I've seen it twice so far. I've seen it. I saw it Thursday night at 10 p.m. when it when it first came out, and then again 12 hours 12 hours later, I saw it Friday at at noon. Polarizing movie. <laughs> Polarizing movie. There's well, some people who just love it and say this their favorite or their second. Everyone's favorite is Empire. Yes. But. Uh, a lot of people are saying it's their second favorite, and some people are signing petitions asking it to be removed from canon. Yeah. What, where, where are you landing on well, this? Well, I'm, I'm as polarized as everybody, because after I saw it the first time, I completely hated it. I thought it was horrible. If if George Lucas would have been in that theater, I probably would have punched him for, <laughs> for, selling, for selling my childhood off to Disney and, and just ruining... What it was the greatest thing in my childhood. Then I saw it the second time on Friday. I guess, Brad, I guess the problem was I went in with too high of hopes and wanting to see the answers to all the, the questions set up in Force Awakens, and I wanted to see it answer. I wanted to see the answers make sense. Mm-hmm. And, and then when that didn't happen uh, after my first viewing, and I was just let down, so I so I guess going into that second viewing, I knew it was not going to have the answers, but I could watch the movie more just to to see it more as just to see everything that I missed, and, and because I was always I was, I just kept that first time just looking for who's Ray's parents and who's Snoke and and all this other stuff that fell short. So you enjoyed it more the second time. Enjoyed it more are, the second time. Are, are you going to see it again? I'm going to see it one more time, maybe tomorrow night. I'm not sure yet. I was spoiler free going in, and, and I, you know, I, I, I was off of social media the the week of and everything because I didn't want to know anything. But now, you know, I, I like to read everything I can, and I've read a few things that that I didn't know about, and I want to see them for myself uh, during the movie. So I have some stuff to look for in the in my in this third showing. What did you think about it? I liked it. I've only seen it once so far. I'm going to see it again at some point. I liked it, but it really was. Such a different Star Wars movie. And just little things like, and, and I've talked about this on the podcast already, but it bears repeating, it was just so weird that so much of the movie was just a very slow speed chase in space where right. y- you had the rebel ship being blasted for two hours. A lot of sort of navel gazing is like, but well, what are we going to do? Well, don't I don't know what we're I can't tell you what we're going to do. I'm not going to. And it was just so weird because you're used to these movies bouncing from planet to planet right. to planet and that made it feel a little static you know what i should leave the 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 first order army because i could have jumped half the ships (laughs) into light speed ahead of the the rebel fleet and 
they would have been done. That part would have been over. So yeah, I agree. There For a two and a half hour long movie, I easily could have taken a half an hour out of it and and made it made it a better movie and i'm trying to get you to to have a a a, a big star wars podcast where we can talk about some more stuff like this but my biggest thing about that whole movie was you know the princess leia getting getting sucked into space space, and then she's supergirl flying back in to the ship and everything and i get it the movie was made and and unfortunately she she passed away and stuff wouldn't it make more sense to just say you know what we're gonna kill her off because we don't want her to CGI her in the next movie. We're gonna kill her off. Let her her last scene be floating into space. Which dead. would have been a beautiful send off. Yeah, it would, would have been, been a beautiful, beautiful send off. She didn't do much through the rest of the movie. She didn't do much. I mean, it was nice to see the Luke and Leia uh, reunion at the end, but that's what deleted scenes are for on right. on Blu-rays. I, I, that's my biggest problem with that movie because now now the the episode nine is gonna come out. And they've already said that they're not CGing her. She's gonna. She's obviously gonna be dead somehow, and you're not gonna see anything. You're not gonna see her. Rian Johnson did not do Jay Abrams any favors for Episode Nine. Between that, and he had no control over that in a lot of ways. I understand everything was filmed, but you know right. they could have tweaked stuff. But he didn't answer any questions really, and set up so many more plot lines and so many questions. I was like, is the next movie going to be six hours long? Right. Because to tie everything up. The funny thing was, the day after I saw the movie, I, I read an article that J.J. Abrams just pitched Episode Nine to Disney. Do they not have the, the, the story written so you know where you're going at the end of it? That's stunning to me. First off, everything that we've heard about the way Kathleen Kennedy has been overseeing the directors and directors getting fired and the movie being taken away, you get a, the feeling that this is a really producer-heavy and studio-heavy franchise. And then... I heard Rian Johnson saying that he wasn't given any mandate on anything with uh, Ray's parents. It's like, you, they, they don't have that written out. I thought it would be sort of what I understand how it works with Marvel movies, where the producers sort of set everything in motion, they have the beats that they want hit, and then the directors can come in and sort of play in the margins. But it just seemed like they gave Johnson so much leeway, and it sounds like they're giving Jay Abrams so much leeway. It's like, wow, right. this is a huge franchise. And, and and when you talk about her parents, I mean, she yeah, she's she's really secretly uh, the the sister of Kylo. Somehow they force wipe people's memories of her, or oh, she's Ben Kenobi's granddaughter. That was a rumor. Hey, she's the clone of Luke Skywalker because his lightsaber. Uh, ended up with Maz. His hand got cut off. There's cloning technology, so they cloned Luke Skywalker into her. All three of those were kind of cool to make it where uh, she's nobody. She's from nobody, and it's almost like Disney's handed it, saying anybody can grow up and be somebody. And I sort of like that idea, but it's just tough because it's such a fantastical series anyway. To have something mundane, right? It's it, an interesting choice. I don't hate it like I did the first showing. It definitely was not a Star Wars movie to, to me. Yeah, definitely very different feel. I'm interested to see how they wrap this up. And, boy, it'll be really intriguing because apparently they're giving Rian Johnson his own trilogy after this. Right. I'm intrigued by that because if you take him away from the main saga and give him his own playground, that could be really cool because... Part of it is it didn't feel like a Star Wars movie that we're used to. That might right. work with his own, if you give him his own characters and his own playpen, that might work better. If he's, he's getting all three of the movies, so, I, I mean, if it were me, I would have 
the, the, the whole plot for all three movies written out so that I knew what the direction was going to be before I started the whole thing. So at least if he's got all three, he knows he's going to be doing all three. So maybe maybe there'll be some more more planning and stuff. And and yeah, if you're 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 in the the universe, but you're not working with the same characters and stuff. I'm not totally against him taking another shot at it. But whether it was his fault or Disney's fault or whoever's fault, they they really needed to do a little bit better job on on this movie. I wanted to ask you, and I love uh, whenever you get definitive, uh, this is my rankings, and I want to know, you are our Star Wars guy, so I asked you to pull together your ranking of the Star Wars movie, <laughs> first off, just to see where this movie lands in it, so uh, if you want to start start from the bottom and work your uh, way okay, up. Okay, okay, we'll start from the bottom, and, and I had to think about it for a little bit today to, to figure out everything and stuff, and I, and I just have watched them recently to, leading up to the, the Last Jedi, so coming in at the bottom... Is Attack of the Clones. Okay, fair, fair. Next up, we have Phantom Menace. I, I, I like the Phantom Menace in that fight scene with Darth Maul and, and Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn was awesome. The music was awesome. People don't Darth seem Maul to like that. Darth Maul was such a great design he, character. He was. It, I was so disappointed when he died at the end of that movie. He's like, no, I wanted another movie or two out of right. him. Right, and it's a great fight scene. I mean, when, you know, when they get separated, you know something's going to happen, and you see the death of a, of a Jedi and stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's it's really cool. So then right up from Phantom Menace, here we go, Last Jedi. Oh, okay. It did beat two of the three prequels, but it did <laughs> not beat all three of the prequels. So right above Last Jedi was Revenge of the Sith. Um, again, it had some problems, but I, I loved the, the, the Kenobi-Anakin uh, Skywalker fight and seeing how Darth Vader got basically created. So that's what everyone was waiting for in those prequels. Right. They were They were waiting for... Darth to, to show up. And, and and you saw Luke and Leia being born and everything. It answered the questions that people want or that people wanted to see. So right above Revenge of the Sith, I have Return of the Jedi. Okay. Then I have Force Awakens, which obviously I liked a lot better than Last Jedi because I have Force Awakens in the top uh, one, two, three, four. So then at number three, I got New Hope. Yeah. Number two is Rogue One. I, I, I really thought they did a great job on that to tie in episodes three and four the way they did. I think they did such a great job, and I, I think the the CG. While I didn't like it the first time I saw it on the screen, when it, when I've watched the movie on on the TV, it looks a lot better. And I guess it's because it's a smaller screen or something. But the Princess Leia and the Tar- Tarkin screen CG effects, I, I love. Rogue One was exactly what I want these non-saga movies to be, where it takes place in the universe, but you can tell completely different stories. It was a war story with exactly. where nobody made it. And they were able to touch upon a little bit and something that leading into the, the tied in well with the main saga, but it was its own movie, and uh, that was fantastic. That's what I want these movies yeah. to be, and they can be completely different. It was a war movie. The next one could be, I know, Han Solo. Uh, they were talking I'm about scared. it being a comedy, and I'm now it's, it, it'll be interesting to see how that lands. The, the thing that they need to do, which they didn't do in Rogue One, but I think they need to do it in in the the, the spinoff one shots. They need to have the crawl at the beginning, and mm. they need to play the Star Wars music. I'm sorry, Just it doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie if you don't wrong. have that. You got to put that in to, to Han Solo movie, and if they do Boba Fett and Ben Kenobi, got to put it in. Hey, you mentioned earlier, number one. Empire Strikes Back. There's still, I, I barely ever ask people their favorite. It's like I either ask them their second yeah. favorite or Empire. Just so close to a perfect movie. A movie so good that it makes New Hope look less by comparison. And New Hope was amazing when yeah. you first watched it the first time. It was oh, so yeah. incredible. But then it was just such a 
a, a drastic step forward. So, uh, and and it's rare to have the, a sequel be better than the original movie. It's very rare in in the industry, especially back then. Right. Well, with comic book movies, it seems to happen. Usually, three's the one where they really like. Right. It yeah, seems it recently seems like it. with Logan and the Thor movie, but and it's also often because it seems like now with movies they plan on it being three movies when they do the first one. Like, the first movie is almost an origin film that they're trying to get out of the way sometimes. The studios seem to be getting better and better directors to do sequels. I'm thinking of RoboCop. The first one had this amazing director for Hobbits, the guy who did uh, Total Recall. Yeah, again, my, my name knowledge is not very good. And that was when he was at the peak of his abilities. He did RoboCop, and then they did well, and they were like, well, let's do another one. And they actually got the guy who directed... Return of the Jedi. Hmm. But it was well past his right. expiration date. I think Return of the Jedi was the, his last like mainstream movie. He's a director who'd been around forever. And then it's like, oh, okay, they, they got a guy who's really cl- clearly lost his fastball and didn't have the same writer. And they didn't think, oh, let's keep doing these movies. It was like afterwards, like, oh, I guess we should do one because the last one made money as right. opposed to going in and trying to get better and better directors and increasing mm-hmm. the budget. Imagine that, increasing the budget. Yeah. <laughs> Any big things coming up at Comic Store West? Uh, or just not, sort of trying to survive the holiday? Just yeah, just surviving the holiday. Uh, not nothing in the the short term. You know, I, I guess we're planning our convention uh, visits for for next season now. Some other larger events that we want to do in the store. So so we're we're starting our planning for some of the the first quarter of of the year. But yeah, just trying to get through the holidays this week and next week. Any uh, conventions you're really excited about coming up that you already signed up for? I've signed up for two so far, Central PA Comic Con, and they're not going to be in York this year like they had the past two years, three years maybe. Um, they, they're moving uh, up towards Harrisburg for this, this year, and from what I understand, she's trying to, to rotate it between Harrisburg, Lancaster, and York keep it fresh and have different guests come. Some people in Harrisburg don't want to come down to York to go to a convention. Some people in York don't want to go up to Harrisburg, blah, blah, blah. So she's, it looks like she's going to try to move it around. This will be the first time up in up in Harrisburg. So looking forward to that. A new convention we did for the first time last year was uh, Four State Comic Con in Hagerstown, Maryland. That was a lot of fun. So looking, and that, that's in... Central PA is in February. Four State Comic Con in Hagerstown is in March. So I'm... Really looking forward to those two. After that, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what's next. <laughs> They're a lot of work. I, and you guys do a great job setting up. And uh, often you run games and stuff and they, really participate. They, they are a lot of work. And, and, you know, we don't have a lot of employees here. So I, I, I'm usually, you know, working the convention myself. Or I usually get a friend to help me out and stuff while, while the other employees hold down the fort here. It's the whole weekend. So it takes, it takes a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of commitment. A lot of commitment. We're going to keep up with you. And... Next year, maybe around the time that Last Jedi comes out on Blu-ray, okay. we should sit down and really maybe bring yeah. one or somebody else, one of your yeah, favorites. Yeah, uh, and bring some people in. Yeah, and like have a, and really do a fun episode because Star Wars is just so damn big, it, and it's so important. And you can go from the comics every, and uh, you'll appreciate this every time I we have a special guest to, to, to talk about anything Star Wars related. I just have, all I have to say is like. All right, so how how big a fan are you of Jackson? I love Jackson. Jackson's the, the best. The Green Rabbit, I love him. And, but you have fantastic little characters like that, and all the little nooks and crannies of the comics and the books and everything. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll do something special and we'll do it in the store. Awesome. And yeah, I look forward to it. Brian, thank you so much, and uh, we will be back.
Driving down industrial way Right there in Yonkia Comic store west Brian's there to help you out He's got a staff to shout about Comic store west Come on It's the shop that you know is the best Come on Hi, this is Sean. And this is Beth. And here are some of our favorite things of 2017. Uh, for music, we got Tommy Stinson's Bash and Pop. That was a great album. Glad to see him back. What did you think, Beth? Um, who is that exactly? Uh, well, that's all right. So then there's a Ryan Adams' new album, which without a doubt is just stellar, one of the highlights of the year. And what did you think of that one? It sounded like you said Ryan Adams. Did you mean Brian Adams? No, not Brian Adams, no. All right, well, let's try movies. Uh, movies, uh, Last Jedi. That was phenomenal. Definitely a highlight of the year. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, I mean, it had some good elements. I'm not sure I'd say it was the highlight of the year. Oh, well, then, how about... Uh, uh, It, Stephen King, had a big year for adaptations, and It was just phenomenal. (sighs) I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but a clown movie? I mean, come on. you got to find something else. All right. Well, let's move on to TV. Orville! Yes! Finally, something we can agree on. All right. So we both love Seth MacFarlane, and his new TV show um, is fantastic. I was a little worried it was going to be a little bit too... Uh, gimmicky towards Star Trek, but it really is a, a fantastic head, uh, hats off to Star Trek, if anything. He actually did a great job making a social commentary that you would think he wouldn't want to include, but he did. Yeah, and that's important for science fiction, is that it does have social commentary. So anyway, excellent show. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out. And uh, we hope you had a great 2017. And more importantly, I hope looking ahead, you have a fantastic 2018. Right, and hats off to the Cosmic Geppetto Studio and its staff. They've done a great job this year. We're looking forward to seeing the many, many great things they're going to turn out for 2018. Happy New Year. Jedi has come out. Everyone's had a chance to see it, and judging by the box office, literally everyone's had a chance to see it, because it's made an incredible amount of money. But the feelings about this movie have been uh, polarizing, I think is a pretty good way to say it. So to uh, discuss this, I brought in two of my favorite guests, uh, some guys fantastic from the world of Minute by Minute podcasting. From the never-ending minute, we have Thomas Howitt. How's it going? Uh, real good, real good. Thank you so much for for joining us. Thank you for having me. I've uh, I've been dying to talk about this movie. <laughs> From Five Minutes of Mystery, a good friend who was also on our before Star Wars comes out episode, Dave Palace. Dave Booby, how you doing? 
<laughs> no, I, I am glad to be here, even under these circumstances. So, so I take it we might have opposite views on this, Dave. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Dave, I want to start with you because uh, I've gotten the impression that y- yours is a particularly strong opinion. What were your feelings on the Last Jedi? I guess I'll. I'll I'm going to start at like where how I got here because I feel like if I just run into my 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 criticisms, it won't be right. I, I went to see Force Awakens and I was like, all right. Like, I, I was the feeling I walked out and went, all right. Like, not angry at it. I, I understood it as a foundation. We, ha- we got to set a ground foundation and it is an easy, safe thing. Kids aren't going to be confused. And you got some new fun actors. Harrison Ford likes to die off. He doesn't want to feel like doing it anymore. All right, fine. That's fine. We got, we got, we got enough of it. I said, okay, not, I'm not going to be too, uh, too critical about JJ. I'm not a fan of JJ really, but he did a fine job of making a foundation. So when they said Ryan Johnson will be doing the next one, I was like, great. I like him because he directed one of the episodes of one of my favorite TV series, my favorite TV series, Terriers. He did Looper. I loved Looper with Bruce Willis. I felt like that was like the, one of the movies that brought Bruce Willis back from doing actual non-acting. I felt like he actually acted in that role. Bruce Willis seemed to care when he did Looper. and Yeah. Bruce Willis goes five years without caring. And then every now and then somebody just finds the right movie for him to suddenly engage in. Because it felt like he pulled out he pulled out his like 12 monkeys type of character. He's like, I'm for the future. I'm paranoid. I don't trust anybody. I got to get I got to get this done. I got to get this done now. I was like, oh, I, lo- I love Looper and I loved Brick. I felt like Brick was the detective story. I never thought of it. It's like, what if we did detective? But we did high school. If you've never seen it, it's awesome. It's like, yeah, just imagine noir detective story, but jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays this like just hard-boiled detective, but he's a kid in high school. It it, it plays very well. So I I love I love Ryan Johnson. So I was like really excited going in here, and then you know the closer we got, I think as you, if anyone heard the previous podcast, every time I get really excited, either Disney or one of their business partners would do something that would really aggravate me, like the Battlefront to controversy where it was just like people getting nickel and dime trying to play a video game right i got aggravated that when disney started like talking smack on the journalists and saying well maybe we won't give you preview critics to the shows i was like oh my god like all this bad press is just killing my mojo to try and enjoy this damn movie by the time we get to the actual premiere weekend i did not pre-order my tickets because i was actually like maybe I won't get wrapped up in the hype. I'll give it a few weeks and then I'll do it. And I was like, no, clearly everyone's freaking out about something about this movie. All the reviews, people are like, oh man, they take a lot of risks. I'm like, okay, all right. I'm like starting to scratch my, you know, my beard here. And I'm like, my stubble. And I'm just like, "Ah, I mean, I should. So I get a ticket just for Sunday evening, just myself. And I go see it. And so I said, okay, let me temper all the expectations. I have all this fanboy stuff in them. Let me just drop it all. Let's just say, can this movie get me from A to B? with just characters and a storyline that I could say is coherent enough that I don't have to like compare it to say like, did this lore, that storyline? I was like, I'm not gonna go with any expectations. Yeah. When I walked out of the movie, I'm like, I'm aggravated. Like I actually was getting aggravated watching this movie. I didn't want to yell because I had kids around me, but I wanted to (laughs) yell at the screen a couple of times. Like what the are you talking about? I was like that. I was just like, I'm getting aggravated at what the characters are saying and doing. And it wasn't even like I wasn't even thinking about Star Wars. I was just thinking about like like movie. Like I'm watching a film, and if a person's not acting or talking or uh, responding like a human being would, even in a fantasy sci-fi movie, I was still getting aggravated. And so that's what happens. I went to the theater. I'm just like oh, I'm aggravated. I'm just aggravated. and yeah, I started just kind of posting general. Shit. 
Facebook. And like, I feel like there was definitely like a poll. Like there were some people aggravated, but some people were like defending it. You know, a lot of the defense was, oh, well, you know, this is the new way of Star Wars. I'm like, I'm not talking about Star Wars. I'm just talking about that was a movie that took millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars to make. And millions of people are going to see. And it didn't feel complete or it didn't, it felt unwieldy. It felt like three. It felt like an entire season of Battlestar Galactica got summed up into two and a half hours of movie with like parts that were cut out for the risks he did. He made like a really, I don't know, just big, messy movie. And this, and I had all these thoughts. I want to say I had all these thoughts before I watched my, the red letter media half in the bag review. Cause I I was so excited to hear what they said, but I kind of felt good that I had about the same opinion as them. It wasn't like angry hate, but it was like a, I don't know what's going on. Like it just felt like Ryan Johnson, he really didn't like the force awakens and decided to be really passive aggressive. And just to kind of like stomp on any of the foundation that JJ built were left with this, like, okay. Like, cause I felt like force awakens was a restart to the prequels. And then this feels like a re restart to the force awakens. So I don't know where we stand. I can honestly say that upon my first viewing, I walked out with the exact same feeling the feeling that, in my words, I said it felt like Ryan Johnson was giving a big finger to everything that J.J. set up and basically saying the intrigue that you tried to set up doesn't matter to me and it's not going to be important going forward. That was my exact reaction after my first viewing. How many times have you seen it? I've seen it twice now. Dave, do you have any plans on seeing it again? or, or are you? I've seen it enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious, like... Okay, here's here's here. All right, I want to ask both of you guys: Have you guys seen the Nice Guys? Yes, the Will Ferrell. I don't think I've seen that. No, 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 no. The Nice Guys with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. I'm thinking of the other guys. <laughs> totally different movies. No, I don't think I've seen that one though. I, I'm familiar with it. Russell Crowe, Ryan Gosling. I think wasn't that directed by Shane Black? Shane Black. Yeah, I, I've not seen that. Uh, I, I... All right, Thomas, did you? No, I have not seen it. Okay, what about Sicario by Denis Villeneuve? Have either of you seen it? No, but it's actually on my to-watch list. Okay, that's the eighth time I heard that this week. Podcast come out that I needed to watch it for. I don't know why. I've been asking that question to everyone I've wa- I've talked about Star Wars, and other than the one friend I forced to watch those movies with me, which he enjoyed, but I had to force him to watch them. No one's seen these films, and I feel like that's important to me for some reason because when it comes to witty dialogue. The nice guys was able to balance the actual drama of this mystery and really good comedy. Whereas I felt the comedy in this one felt weird at times uh, and like a little too much. And then the reason I bring up Sicario is because that's the entire subplot of Benicio del Toro's thing. Lily, he's obviously in Sicario. That's why I bring it up. But what I'm saying is like the whole, oh, both sides, it's gray about this war. And I'm like, Benicio, I've seen you do this better in sicario where it's just like the cartel and terrorism and modern america and how we're trying to fight this war and there's no easy there's you can't just point at the border wall and say well there's the problem it's just like there's there's this whole like amalgamation of drugs and just terrorism and just and culturalism that like permeates all throughout sicario and i'm so glad there's a sequel i just saw the trailer for it i'm very excited trailer looks amazing for that for the the sequel all the more reason you need to see Sicario. And that's why I bring these movies up is because I, those are the vibes like, and, and also the reason I bring those, vibes, those movies up is because while I was watching those films, I said, I can't wait to see this again in Blu-ray. The movie's not even halfway over. 
I'm already saying I can't wait to watch this again and own the Blu-ray. And, the, and maybe John Wick's the only other franchise I can think about where it's like, as I'm watching it, I already want to watch it again. I haven't even gotten to the end yet. I'm already like, I want to own this. I want to see as many times. And that sadly did not come to me with The Force Awakens and definitely not with Last Jedi. I felt like, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm not even looking at this as a fanboy. I'm not trying to go, this is my Star Wars. This is my story. No, I'm not trying. It's just like, I'm just like, this movie is aggravating me. And I don't want to be aggravated because I spent $15. And when people were like, oh, you got to see it again. I'm like, I just spent $15. I, I can't do that. And, and <laughs> I'm. I know you've heard it a million times, but I'm strongly going to recommend that you see it one more time, even if it's waiting till you get to watch it, you know, on DVD or something like that. Okay, I, I, I will say there's something about the second viewing that I wasn't expecting either that shifted things for me, and I really enjoyed it the second time through. The stuff that bothered me didn't bother me nearly as much during the second time for some reason, and I found new stuff in it that really took my level of enjoyment from meh to wow. I've heard a lot of people who either said that they enjoyed it more the second time or people who said, I need to see it a second time because they almost didn't know what to make of it. And part of it is in so many ways, this didn't feel like a star Wars movie to me. The, The main plot where you have the emperor ship in a weird, slow speed chase with what is left of the rebellion that's the movie. It's just weird. And you have all the subplots and you have everything going on with uh, Ray and Luke. And then you have the the stuff that was going on on the planet where they're trying to find the, the guy who can break into the Empire. But really, it was just all this weird, slow speed chase. And with every Star Wars movie, they usually seem to like bounce from planet to planet to planet and have a, a real bigness to the plots that was weird that this movie seemed to be, didn't have because it was all just we're just slowly getting away and we are the rest of the rebellion and we're just getting wiped slowly just chipped away it, it just felt so weird for a star wars movie it, a, a lot of people i think had a tough time putting that together and some have watched some people who didn't have it as an adverse reaction to it watched it a second time and we're able to pull some more from it. Now that is certainly Dave, that you, you have a completely valid thought because you didn't go in looking to dislike this movie. It wasn't like you had angry thoughts or you, 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 you didn't go in with your arms folded. So it has to say something that somebody who's a fan of these movies, who likes these movies goes in and there's, it, it could be such a turnoff to that person. I was like, all right, star Wars, just hit the broad side of the barn for me and I can walk out of here. Okay. That's what it felt like to me. It's like they're, they, instead of like hitting that broadside of the barn, the minimum I needed them to come with, like just get me a character and plot. Just give, just get Finn, Ray, Luke, and and Poe, the characters I know so far, and, and and Leia. Get them from like A to B, and they've all like either learned a lesson or they have a little arc and they complete a little thing. And I felt like the entire time it's like instead we're gonna browbeat you. Why? Why did I? What did I do to deserve this? Because you had expectations. I had expectations for a f-ing movie, like a movie, and you keep subverting it for a bit. And then I said, like, when I got, and like, you know, when we got to Snoke, I was just like, it kind of felt like when he got killed, I went, all right. Like at this point, I'm just like, okay, this is just par for the course now. We're just going to just, just, just take the left turn at Albuquerque every time you get a chance. I thought the weirdest part was like the double, double sub. Like, like where I was like, like, when he's like, you know, you're going to turn the lightsaber and then you're going. And I'm like, oh, I see. 
because we're seeing the lightsaber turn. He knows the lightsaber turning too. So it's not going to go off. And, the, and then he dies. Like, oh, okay. Well, was that, were you trying to subvert what I thought you were not subverting? Oh man, I'm confused. If you'll let me, I'll, I'll do my best to show you what I appreciated in that scene. What Kylo's doing there is he knows that Snoke is reading his every thought mm-hmm. as he's doing it. So he's having to put out thoughts that correspond with what Snoke can actually see physically in front of him. So he sees him turning the lightsaber in his hand. Kylo's doing something in his mind, blocking and yet letting a little bit through at the same time saying, I'm turning this lightsaber. When in reality, he's turning the other one towards Snoke so that Snoke doesn't realize the second lightsaber is what he's actually doing. Because Snoke can read every thought he has at that point. So he's trying to find a way to kill him while still showing him what he's doing with his actual lightsaber. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I get that. But I still feel like Snoke's power still overrides even Kylo thinking that. Like, I just feel like Snoke just felt so omnipresent that he was almost like Dr. Manhattan level, where he just, like, he knew it all. He even knew Kylo was lying to him and just patronizing him that's the very thing that ray had just told snoke too you think that you're incredible and that kylo's this this wasted power you think that you're in complete control but you're not you have these ideas in your head that things are going to go a certain way and they're not things are going to be different than you assume and that was like you said it was said many times we were a little bit browbeat with the, that line, but that's exactly what happens. She s- tells him exactly what's going to happen. Your own self-confidence is what's going to destroy you, and that's what it does. He's so confident that he's reading Kylo the way he thinks he is that he doesn't even see that Kylo is actually going to take out his master and take over. I get you on that. I guess I guess that brings up my next complaint is that as much as Kylo talks about killing the past and letting it die, it's just that like power just changed to Kylo and the plot still remained the same that I need to destroy the resistance. Why dude? Why? Like it, it just, I feel like we're just now we're just, we're just still going the same direction. Like, and, and I feel like Huck should almost say something like, Hey man, if you just want me to like leave, I'll leave because this is getting aggravating that I have my one job here, which is to command the, the army and the Navy here. And if you just want to take over, then I could just peace out because I don't feel like getting choked around all the time. Have you read any of the EU novels out of curiosity? No, 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 no. For all that Disney threw, you know, threw all that stuff out and said, those are legends and whatnot. Some of the stuff they're doing right now actually ties into it a little bit. There's a character there, Jason Solo, who kind of fits the Kylo persona. He was trained by Luke, eventually turns to the dark side. His turn is similar to Kylo's in the way that he says, what I'm doing, the power that I'm trying to gain is because I feel like I have a vision of the way this universe should be. And if I'm strong enough, I can make it be that. And that's the same thing Kylo's doing right here. He thinks that he has the power to control his universe instead of letting the universe control him. So he's trying to take that chance. Now he's tired of being somebody's underling. He thinks he can do it better than anybody else possibly could. And that's why he's taking the power for himself. Finally, I guess the biggest thing is, is that we have the, Oh, well the, the, the weapons dealers, they sell guns to both sides. So which side's really the good or bad guy? I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure doing the math 
the bad guys were the ones that blew up the eight planets there right. with the with the base of a giant laser. So I still think doing the numbers, <laughs> carry the three, that those are still the bad guys. And the people just trying to get away are still the good guys. It did feel a little late in this franchise to suddenly try to have, well, we're all sort of the bad guy. And we're all, it's like, no, that they, they actually they, they actually say they're like work for the dark side of the force. It's dark is right there in the name. It may not be the best franchise to get into the philosophies of arms dealers and stuff like that. I want that too, but that could be that could honestly be a storyline in the solo prequel, which I'm not even sure if I really want to watch right now because I just don't feel like walking in and being like getting kicked in the stones. To be like, ah, do you think you're gonna have fun? You're not having fun. We're gonna tell this wonky, depressing story now. I don't, I don't know. I do not know. But right now, between May and now, I, I don't know. I'm really something's really going to happen to change my opinion. Because I just, yeah, I feel like if you wanted to tell a story about arms smuggling and who's a good guy, who's a bad guy, I think it would have been more interesting to tell that in its own type of movie. A movie that like, like if you told that in Rogue One, you have like Diego Luna and you have scenes of him doing shit like that. Where he's like killing a guy, then stealing a case of guns. I think it'd show that like these are the guys that you know doing the dirty work, and I feel like that would have been perfect this show. But not in the middle of this. Like where I say, we already have the A plot, Luke and Ray, and then we have the B plot, which is like the 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 Poe Laura Dern character, and then we have the C plot, which is because of B plot, we have a C plot, which is Finn and Rose have to go and get the, a hacker to do the thing that did the mission. Upon my first viewing, I felt that that was extremely forced. The C-plot, I mean. Like, it just seemed like, why was that in there? I understand. Like, I in my head, I understood, okay, they need a story for Finn and Rose to connect with. They need to expand the horizon of the universe by introducing these kids. And, you know, they had this character DJ that they wanted to get in there that maybe he'll play a bigger part. So... On paper, I understand why they need a mission, but the mission to me did not make any sense. It really didn't, especially the first time. I was like, "What? What? Why?" This, this, especially at the end when it it caused nothing to change. There were their whole mission failed, and nothing was the worse for it. It almost felt like if you're going to really do this mission and show how failure it is, just kill one of them at this point. Because I felt like if Finn or Rose die, then it really shows like how much of a mistake it is. Because a lot of people died. But it was either like old story characters like Akbar Nine Nub. Nine Nub did not die, by the way. Why he didn't die? No, I've watched in my second viewing because I had heard that as well. I paid careful attention, and he's on crate as well. He makes it to the end. Oh uh, well, <laughs> we don't focus on him again, but he is there. He made the crate, but was he in one of the skimmers? No, he he makes it off the planet. You need to tell me that he's on the Falcon because, like, everyone, so many people are dying that, like, <laughs> like I'm telling you right now, I didn't see Snap Wagsley on the Millennium Falcon. Henceforth, he is dead. JJ, you can't bring him back. You cannot bring Greg Grunberg back. Um, I actually heard or read something just before we started this podcast about the Visual Dictionary or like one of those books, and it says that there are other planets that are being evacuated as well. And that may be where Snap and Jess are. No, they said they had Snap. He was they, apparently, and you're going to have to tell me this because I'm not doing it. But apparently in the beginning of the movie, he's on one of the shuttles when they do the shots of them leaving the planet. 
Oh, I might have to rewatch it again and see that. There you go. And you can just tell you can just text me later. Yeah. Because I was looking for it. Someone on Reddit at least said, Oh no, I saw Snap Wagsley on the ship, but I didn't see him in the rest of the movie. So he might have been one of the pilots that passed. And he, okay, so let here. So, so 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 now I love to be a fly on the wall at JJ's house after he saw oh, you and me both. The last Jedi the first time. This is like a crazy tennis match. Yeah, he must be like, What the was that Johnson guy? You know, I've been doing this and that. And I'm honestly, I, I told, I'm, I'm sure I'm the first person to say this, but like, I'm going to put it out in the airwaves. I feel like between now and maybe the summer, I, I don't know. I feel like they're going to walk back some of that trilogy with uh, Ryan Johnson. I don't know. I think they're going to go forward with it myself. And like I said, this is like some kind of, I walked out of the first one feeling like, is this some kind of crazy tennis match? Like JJ threw up this insane serve that he didn't think anybody would be able to to hit back. And then Ryan comes and backhands it with, with backspin, gets it in the field, but now we got to see if JJ can field that that backhand. <laughs> well, what stunned me so much is uh, Entertainment Weekly has just been running uh, interview for interview after interview about Last Jedi, and they talked to Ryan Johnson, and he said he was not given a mandate who Ray's parents were. And first of all, I just found that stunning. It's like nobody – as much control as the producers of this franchise, uh, Kathleen Kennedy specifically, has uh, held over this franchise, the idea that they would actually let Johnson as a director make that decision. And I, I actually like that decision. I'm okay with it, yeah. Getting away from everything's bloodline. Didn't want her to be Luke's daughter because that just means it's another Skywalker. That was fine, the, the idea of – she just has a high midichlorian count. That's all. That's, I'm fine with that. Oh, thank God they didn't say that. The Ray parentage is still open-ended enough for, for JJ to do something with if he chose to. Because you can always say that the cave wasn't there to give her those answers. And Kylo was deceiving her to weaken her resolve and, and maybe get her so she would be willing to accept him as family or something like that. So it's still there. It's still up in the air. I wouldn't say anything's definitive, especially with the way the trilogy has been going so far. No, certainly. But I'm just I was just surprised. It seemed like giving Johnson so much leeway to make apparently make the movie he wanted to make. It's certainly not the world that I'm used to from Disney. Just looking at the the Marvel movies, you know, the Marvel movies are really a producer's film. It's like the guys who are sort of overseeing the movies, and then as a director, you get to sort of have your tweaks and your fun and the little things, but that you got to hit all the same all the same story points. And I just thought that the Star Wars, obviously, because as big and as much as I like the Marvel movies, they don't have nearly the importance as Star Wars. Star Wars is vastly important to the Disney Corporation just from a money-making thing. It's like they make money on top of money on top of money from the cartoons to the comics to the books to the toys to the – my kids all have their own lightsabers and they all want the more expensive lightsabers and the costumes and everything. And the amount of money these movies bring in, only two movies have ever made $200 million their opening weekend. They are both Star Wars films. Should we take a look at the movie like in a – linear fashion even though the movie's semi not linear <laughs> well before we get too much in the thomas i mean what you've seen the movie twice what were your feelings about this i, I know you you have a, a more positive feeling than dave but just go a little bit more into it like your feelings about the film now when i first saw it as i said i was i, I walked out feeling uh what's 
a good word. Almost meh. Meh is a word I would use for it. Like I wasn't sure what I felt. You mentioned, you know, some other people had felt like that as well. I was confused. I was like, did I like stuff in there? Was stuff too far? Did it go too far? What? Like, I felt like I didn't understand everything that had happened. Again, I felt like some of the stuff was forced, no pun intended. Uh, some of the scenes that people went through. And I was like, I know I need to watch this at least one more time to solidify what I'm feeling and just to get a better feel for the movie. And so I went back in a second time, uh, two days later after I'd had a chance to talk to, talk to friends about it, talk to the internet about it, read what the internet was saying, see some of the biggest critiques. And that allowed me to prepare myself to look for those things as I was going through to really analyze what those specific points were going, were, were going to feel like to me as I watched it a second time. Now, when I went in the second, now I should preface this by saying I was spoiler heavy pretty much through the whole time. I, I listened to now this is podcasting for making star wars.net who gets fairly good uh, info during the off season and during the filming of stuff. I wasn't minding spoiling it. I wasn't going to read a synopsis of it or anything like that, but I knew about Porgs well before they were put out on the internet. I knew about Crate. I knew about DJ. I knew about a lot of these things that were going to be in there well before a lot of other people did. So I had some expectations going in about what I was going to see. I feel like that may have tainted my viewing of the first the first time I saw it. The second time I saw it, I I knew what to expect. I knew that it wasn't going to be, had these images in my head of, a big fight on Octu where the First Order came down because there was some false information about that. Some fight scenes between Ray and Kylo and not Ray and Kylo, uh, Luke and Kylo and stuff like that. And those didn't happen. And maybe part of my unease with the first viewing was my disappointment disappointment in not seeing some of those things. Upon my second viewing, knowing where things were going, I found that I was able to relax and take in some of the more finer details that I missed because I was so amped up on when's this going to happen? When's this going to happen? And it never happened. So I was missing things apparently that the second time through I didn't miss and actually made it make a little more sense. The emotions also weren't quite as strong the second time, like seeing Leia on screen really tore me up and made it a little bit hard to view those scenes because, you know, she's gone now and having a young daughter, I know how important she is to young women. She was important to me too. I mean, she was probably one of my first crushes as a kid and knowing that that spunk and that fire is just gone and seeing it on screen again, really drained me a little bit the first time. Like I wasn't paying attention to stuff cause I was too busy crying about seeing her in the second viewing. I was able to relax a little more and just take it in. And I found when I walked out, I was like, that movie had some awesome stuff in it, stuff that I am really looking forward to in the future now. Whereas the first time I was so caught up on things, I wasn't thinking about the next movies or anything like that. After the second viewing, I was like, there's going to be some awesome stuff to come. And I could not wait. I can't wait now to see what, what happens next. You actually lead me to a good point, Thomas. Thank you for that. Where I'm very interested to see what the next movie, and I know my understanding is the next movie is supposed to be, the cap on the Skywalker saga, which of course is going to be very interesting because with Luke passing in this movie and Leah was sort of the last person standing from the original trilogy. And now because of uh, 
Kerry Fisher's uh, fortunate passing. We're not going to, they're going to have to do a jump through a lot of hoops to get Leia's presence in that film. I was just watching this it's like, wow, there's so much ground they're going to have to cover in the next movie if it's going to actually be wrapping up these this nine movie concept. And I know the Ryan Johnson trilogy is supposed to sort of, my understanding is it takes place in the same universe, it takes place in the Star Wars universe, but it's not a continuation of the saga. It just seems like there's so many dangling threads and so much plot that they need to really go over just the things like they finally and it didn't even occur to me that poe and ray hadn't even met until the end of the second movie and it's like wow that's a that's going to take a lot to sort of establish that relationship whatever it is just have interaction between them also one of the things i really liked from the first movie was the interaction between finn and ray and they had no interaction so the relationship whatever it's going to be hasn't moved forward at all and we're gonna have to wait until the third so that has to happen in the third movie and sort of re-figure out what is going to be between kylo and and ray also just rebuilding the rebellion because by the end of this movie it feels like there's like six guys left in the rebellion and sort of they kept saying it's like we're going to rebuild the spark and everything and but it's going to be a lot of rebuilding and is it just going to be something that happens between movies and the rebellion is back to full strength by the third movie and that feels like a cheat or is it just going to be a six hour long movie to cover everything that they need to wrap up this film? There is still a lot in you said pretty spot on. There's a lot they still have to do. I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to bring up the book that, that they mentioned. If, if what they said in the visual dictionary is true, there are other pockets of people elsewhere so I can see that happening. But I did find that, especially in my first viewing, I spent the whole movie waiting for Leia to die. I was like, is this is this the scene where she's going to die? Or is it going to be this one? Or is it going to be this one? Because I knew she's not going to be around for the third one. So, I, you know, we talk about false expectations. That was something that took me out of the first mo- first viewing was I kept waiting for her to die and it never happened. So I wasn't appreciating the stuff that she was actually doing. When they had that amazing scene where Kylo, he, he's flying towards uh, the, the ship with Leia and he sort of stops, he's not going to shoot her. And then his wingmen blast away and you see Leia gets sucked out into space. Dave, d- did you expect that was the end of the character? or and, and how did you feel when all of a sudden she wakes up in the middle of space and floats back? I was apathetic. I knew she wasn't dead because there was too much footage of her at that base. And so I knew she wasn't dead. I was kind of like, all right. I, I, yeah, I was just like, I was like, because I'm not, I wasn't upset by any of the force things that happened in this movie. Like I was okay with that. I was accepting it. That that wasn't the problem I was having with the movie. This was like, I'm like, yeah, I can handle this. It's just, I can't handle Admiral Holdo. Like I felt like I was watching a multi, 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 multi million dollar fan remake of Battlestar Galactica episode, uh, episode called Thirty Three, where I was just like, yeah, but but Sci Fi Channel did this better years ago. Why am I watching this? I mean, I've had, I've seen Hot Shot Pilots. I've seen that bit. I felt like I was waiting for Holdo to like, rather than wait that long to not tell the story her to be like we're doing this doing that and then she kind of puts the 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 fire back into him saying like i need you to do this can you do that soldier and he'd be like yes yes admiral i can instead she's holding back on him which causes him to panic and being like 
what is she doing? She's going to get us all killed. So he create he helps create the C plot by calling Maz, and I was like, oh, he knows Maz, so everyone just knows Maz. And then after he says those two on their C plot, has his mutiny. I'm like, all right, I've seen I've seen more interesting mutinies on Battlestar, but I'm going to let that slide. Tom, walk me through this part with the transports. Like, okay, you 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 fuel up the unshielded transports that can't hyperlink. You're going to have them go to this planet, and somehow you're going to make it sure that the First Order doesn't shoot them. Why is it in her plan, First Order wasn't going to shoot them at first? Why Why do they think that? They were supposed to be cloaking them on their, their thing away from the ship. They were, they were cloaked going towards the planet. There's a conversation that Holdo has with Poe at that moment where, or once he's on the, or I think it's when he's on the ship um, headed towards the planet. He's like, oh, I get it now. We're cloaking these and getting them down to the planet so that everybody can make it off safe and we can sit, sit still for a while. Once the First Order is clued on to what they're actually doing, they run a decloaking program to catch them. And that's why at first they weren't shooting them because they didn't know they were there. But once they ran the program or whatever, um, once they were aware that they were there, they did something so they could see them and start shooting them. Did you catch that the first time or was that something you really got a benefit of the second go around? Yeah, I was going to say, did you get that on the second one or the first run? I got that part on the first one because especially when... They say that they're going to run the decloaking program to, and then they start firing on them. All right. I must have just been. You might have been checked out. I understand. I was just like, I don't understand you, Holdo. Why can't you be more like Admiral Kane from Battlestar? Be better. I don't know. I, I'm like, I like you, Laura Dern, but God, I hate this character. I just I just started liking Poe. I, like, I wasn't a big fan of Poe because he felt like a cardboard. So I felt like, oh, I'll get more Poe. And now it's like, no, no, no. This is the part of the movie where we on Poe. Right. Well, then you lady so it wasn't so much shitting on poe but it was there's a plan in leia's head because she knows she's not going to be around forever to groom poe for leadership she has to get the hot head streak out of him but she also wants him to understand the importance of keeping secrets i guess sometimes that everybody doesn't need every piece of information all the time because he's gonna have to do something like that in the future i can see it where he's not going to be able to tell everybody everything like he would right now. So he needs to understand that sometimes military secrets are important because if he had known that information and somehow accidentally said it to Finn or something, it might've, I don't know, might've messed something up or whatever. There's a reason for secrets sometimes. And I think that might've been something that both Poe and Laura were trying to, or Laura, (laughs) our Holdo were trying to teach Poe. All right. Well, I wish, Poe would have said to her, we could talk about fighting the patriarchy subtext in survival situations when we're done this. I feel like that line that Sadler says to John Hammond in the middle of Jurassic Park, I'm a, and you're a, and he's like, we could, we could talk about sex. I feel like Poe would just be like, okay, look, I, I know you wonder where this is learning lesson thing, but there's literally like a hundred of us left. And as I said, when she's watching on the bridge and the ships are being shot at, and then I'm like, do something. I just kept saying, like, yeah. do something. I felt like she could have like moved the ship in the way or something like that. <laughs> but I'm going to step away from the mic and just scream at it. Do something, lady. Pause <laughs> in your court now. Oh, no, no. You caused this. Fix it. They really did overdo what I felt with so many of those transport sh- shuttles got destroyed. It felt like there was like five. They start out with 20 and they end up left with five. It's like, wow. I- yeah. And when when she has the idea to do the thing, I'm like, I was like, oh, you should have done that. <laughs> 20 minutes. The first ship gets blown up. Okay. New plan. Like, that's me. It's me. Oh, first ship gets blown. What can I do? Oh, I can FTL jump this ship. Well, just do it. Like, that's. 
I felt it felt like it was just like, oh no, oh no, oh no, another ship, oh no, oh no. It's like I'm like, I was just getting so angry, but I had to hold it in. My only defense of that is maybe being just stunned by the the whole thing, and even learn a lesson. You can't be stunned if you're the admiral. <laughs> you can't sit there and go, I'm stunned. Often go astray, and this was a, a good illustration of that. You know they. They had this plan and to see it falling apart in front of your face. I can see someone who's vice admiral. So she is pretty high up there, but you know, this is her choice and her actions. She gets to watch it go down and I can see that stunning somebody for a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm still thinking, I still think Poe is right with the dreadnought thing. I mean, the heavy bombers are stupid and they should still use Y wings. The, uh, the, I, Cause he, how he was describing how I had to take his word for it. How he was describing the Dreadnought sounded like if they made it to that planet, the Dreadnought would have just went, okay, cool. And then then the entire base would have been glassed. Because that's the feeling that he was giving me, which is that, like, these guns are so big that the shields can't stop. That's how he was. So how how he was telling me, I was like, I got to take his word for it. Never heard of a Dreadnought in the First Order. These guns look huge, and they, they can vaporize the ground. If this thing isn't destroyed, there is no chance of getting away because this thing will go brah, and no matter what distance you could get vaporized. That's that's the vibe I got. As crappy as it was to watch all these pilots die, I was like, they still would have died because they would have been in. They probably have still been around in the in the in the docking bay, ready to get instructions, and then would have got destroyed. Like in my mind, I'm just like, oh, we could roll the dice on a couple of these things. I feel like still everyone was going to die. I don't know. There's heavy bombers. You can't put them in the docking bay. Right. So they're just going to be floating out in space. What did you think of the initial initial scene with Hux and Poe? Oh, that should have ended real quickly. I'm like, okay, all right, we got the we got the Budweiser. Can you hear me now? Early 2000s type of comedy cell phone joke. But I felt like I kept going, and I'm just like, what is it? And I get it. He's like, so that's the thing is, when this movie starts, we're in the middle of like kind of this thing. So I wanted like to know what did Leia give Poe this idea to like oh stall them so we can get the people out and he's like okay no what he was doing was he was stalling for the engine to kick up what I'm saying is that I said was it under instructions of Leia or was that him just winging it that's what I wish I would have known because because then I could make a and I could feel like I make a better argument for my boy Poe to be like. Hey, you sent him up there to cause to, to, to stop the the dreadnought from attacking, and he's just he's just doing what he's doing. I think the plan was to have the the bombing run happen. He was supposed to jump in there real quick with his little super super hyper jet, get in there and take out all the surface guns so they could make this bombing run. It kind of went to shit when all the uh, the tie fighters and stuff showed <laughs> up, which I don't know why they weren't expecting that. Yeah, they had A wings. It's like do your job, A wings. That's your job. I mean, other than that, that's what he was doing. He was basically stalling until his engine primed. And he could use that jet to get in there and take out the, the cannons. I was like, these new heavy bombers are stupid. Where do you use them? Why would you put them that close together as well? Yeah, I just feel like, what's the bit? What's the bit that carries a lot of bombs? Y-wings can still carry a half decent amount of bombs. And they're reasonably fast at the same size as y- as uh, X-wings. It's like, you just get a get your equivalent of gold squad. To, see, that's, my, that's the thing is, uh, what my favorite, my, that was probably my favorite moment of Rogue One. Like You could take everything away and turn Rogue One into a two-minute cut. <laughs> and it would be Gold Squad just ion bombing the, the Star Destroyer, and then Admiral Rad is like, F- that thing in its side, and then they just <laughs> ram it and crash it into another Star Destroyer. I was like, that's the best. That's the best because I felt like we have tactical, strategic planning. We're we're out thinking the the First Order. This was kind of like just 
I don't know. It was just like the, the the plan was to escape, and then the plan was just like we'll just stay on this little rim and, and on the edge of the things, and and then we'll get to a planet, and then we'll just hide. I, I'm like, all right. I In the words of Tony Stark, not a great plan. Well, Star Wars is not known for its great plans. I mean, do you remember how Luke got Han <laughs> out of Chava's palace? That plan is confusing. Um, <laughs> now that it's like 40 minutes in, can we now bring up our wishes that we wish we saw in this movie? Because I feel like I wanted to get all my like legitimate as a movie issues aside and then save the fanboyisms for like the dead last after everything was like covered in the most basic criticism I could have. What is something that you were really wanted to be there and it just didn't happen? I knew this wasn't, I, was like, I want to start with the one that I knew was not going to happen, but I feel like this is what Mark Hamill was thinking before he actually was given the script. Cause I felt like I did. I felt like he was going to reject the lightsaber, but not like that, not in a joking toss over the shoulder way. I honestly felt like he was going to sigh and hand it back saying no, like a, no, like that. I felt like that's how he was going to do it. Like I knew he wasn't going to accept it. He was going to reject it, but I didn't think it was going to be like a, Nyeh. right. What I really wished was the lessons he would have taught her would have been like on a, on an even greater level of just pacifism. Like I felt like that's what he was learned. He learned going against the emperor, just being like the first order and Kylo Ren, like all they are is made up of hate and we have to fight it with like a, a love and a lightsaber is a weapon. It's meant to, hurt and we don't want it in my mind i wish he was like a full monk and just being like complete pacifism and essentially be like essentially like the battle between ben kenobi and darth vader with even with only one person having a lightsaber like i actually felt like i would have loved if the at the end he would have actually maybe like flown the old x-wing in yeah maybe block the blaster shots from the atats and then just being like just talk to kylo ren Ed saying like I still like, I still love you and I'm sorry and and this and that because I I thought that was so weird this whole idea of like I was gonna kill him and then I thought now I'm like no Luke never would have thought that Luke is like the Superman of of Star Wars he's like the kindest person he sees the best in people so like if he saw the evil in him he would have had a powwow right then and there with like him and his mother and father so this was so weird for him to like i had a fleeting thought so i pulled out my lightsaber and turned it on like no so i thought that was so weird i i, I thought he would have like so i've loved it if the end battle would have been him like against kylo and kylo was like trying to swing a sword and just and you just have like luke just like force dodging but like not raising his hands to him i thought that would have been such a beautiful more thing of just like a, a pacifist luke trying to instill hope and love into kylo that's what i wish but i felt like the closer we got to seeing the trailers i was like i right, know i'm not getting that but i i, did, I was sad to, to see that like very angry cowardice type of luke in, in that idea that you have what would luke have died at the end of the movie still yeah he would have died but it would have been like the most it would have been like watching a monk tell everyone he loves them and then like allowing get killed and then just he would he would do it he would vanish like ben he would just be like, you're going to strike me down and hate, but all I have is love for you, Ben. And just keep calling him Ben. It would anger the hell out of him. But like, it would be great to see like Luke, you know, he's stalling for time, but also he's like, he's really there. He's not hologramming. He's actually just talking to to, to, to Ben and just being like a, like a peaceful monk. Like he would have just evolved to a point where he's just like, no, like we have to evolve more than the Jedi and like lightsabers. And I think he were like, we're a police. Like we are monks of the force and we should instill peace and love throughout the galaxy, not to police. Like, like I said, when he said about the Jedi councils, like they try to be like a police regime. And it's like, no, you were incompetent and you let the sit. Like, I believe that part. I'm like, yeah, they were incompetent. And they let, and they let the Sith grew 
right out from under their nose. That's a, that was a real fanboy wish that like I wanted to squash before the movie. But like the more I'm like, man, I really feel like I would have felt a lot better just to have like him like evolve. He's evolving past the lightsabers. It's an interesting call. It definitely sounds good. Thomas, was there any like fanboy thing that you were hoping to see that that didn't come true for you? Like I said, I, I there were things I was surprised about. One, did expect to see Leia's passing in this movie. I was a little disappointed that that didn't happen. But I also understand the desire to give her one last movie that was all about her instead of a full movie of screen time instead of, you know, cutting it short at whatever point, because it's the last we're going to get to see as for expectations. Like I said, there were some where I, like I mentioned before, I had heard that the Knights of Ren and Kylo were going to show up on Oct two and have it out with Ray and Luke, where Luke was just going to tear things up and, and mess up the, the Knights of Ren while Kylo got to fight Ray. And then Ray gets taken out. Now, Kylo is facing Luke and Luke just totally trashes him and sends him with his tail between his legs. I thought that's how the beginning of the movie was going to go. And I was a little, little disappointed the first time I watched it, that that didn't happen, but I appreciated the things, the directions they did go. There were subtleties that I missed that I really liked. Like the fact that Kylo can't take that shot that you were talking about earlier, where he's got her lined up in his sights and he hesitates and he doesn't take the shot. So the other shot, TIE fighters come in and take the shot for him. Well, guess what? That happens again when Luke can't take the shot. Luke's going to burn down the tree and all the knowledge and he hesitates and all of a sudden he can't do it. And then Yoda steps in and does it for him. Bam. There were little connections like that throughout the movie that I really appreciated. But didn't like Ray, did she have the books at the end on the Falcon? Yes. Okay. So like Yoda's like, oh, don't worry. She's got the books. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Basically he says that too. He's like, she, she has all the knowledge she needs to, to move forward. It's revealed that yes, she does. She's got all the books. Yoda's a bit of a d- <laughs> That's what that's what I think Red Letter Media brought up, but I had a little feeling about that too. It was like he acted like the goofy Yoda you saw when you first see Empire, when you don't know it's Yoda. He acted like that. I was trying to figure out, like, yeah, why do he act a little like silly and not like the respectable Yoda that he when he shows his true self? Only thing I think of is like as a ghost, like it's a little easier to live. He can, he can like afford the jabs at Luke. And he's also learned that Luke responds to the that pretty well too he's also you know got experience in this helps luke realize where i'm coming from if i'm not all hard and serious and and maybe i have a chance to teach him a lesson here yeah i definitely want um i i think we're gonna have to now i feel like there was gonna be ghost luke in the next movie i feel like there's gonna be a lot more ghost luke i'm almost curious if because i don't know it's weird i keep seeing articles you know people and you keep people keep posting them around where it's just like Luke's kind of like, oh, I don't like this Luke. This is weird, but I'm an actor. I have to do my job. I'm almost curious if he's trying to say that as in like, look, if you're going to put me as a ghost in the next movie, you got to give me a better attitude than uh, than what I was given in this. Yoda also says something interesting that I did catch the first time even viewing it. And he says that it's a student's job to grow beyond the master. Yeah. I thought that was rather poignant in both. He saw that Luke grew beyond him in the mistakes that he was making with the whole Vader thing. The master's not always right. So he was giving Luke his props there, but also saying that for all that you think you're, you, this, this plateau, you think you're trying to get your student to, they're going to go beyond that. And they're going to go beyond you and, and do something even more special than what you did. What's real interesting. And especially Dave having such strong negative reactions to this. And you've already said that, 
it's going to take a little bit of convincing to get you to see Solo. Especially because that movie sounds like it could be a mess. Going from Lord and Miller to then Ron Howard, I can't think of any more different sets of directors you could have because Lord and Miller, they're very humor-based and very smart and very modern. And then you have Ron Howard. I like Ron Howard, but he couldn't be more of an old-school director. Yeah, I felt weird being like, it's Kasdan, Kennedy, and Ron Howard. It's like, we got everyone working on this movie who's like over the hill, and they're trying to like find a way to get millennials and Gen Xers to like this guy, the young, hip solo. I just, I feel like it's going to be a weird, hey, kids. <laughs> Yeah. There's the strong desire in my heart, which I know it'll never happen, but I wish I could see both cuts of the movie, <laughs> like see it both ways. Oh, that is locked in the Disney vault. Whatever, Whatever's left of that that's not destroyed is in a Disney vault now. I would just love to see how they compare and see what, what he actually used of theirs and what will never see the light of day. That's going to be 30 years in the future, sort of like what they did with the Superman uh, Richard Donner cut that was released, what, five years ago? I, I'd be very curious to see that, too. Cause, and again, I like Ron Howard. He certainly has done some really good movies. I do worry if he's lost his fastball. Just what happened with the last of the Dan Brown Da Vinci Code movies that he did. Yeah, like I, I watched the first one and I was like, all right, I was in high school. And I was like, for you know, a pulp thriller on a fictional telling of the Christian stuff. Yeah, I felt like those sequels, I felt like him, like, sign up, like, is the paycheck clearing? All right. And just being like, zip, zap, got yourself a movie. And him just, like, walking off, like, not even looking at the reviews. Because you're right. It felt it felt like him and Hanks were like, eh, easy money. Yeah. Well, especially Hanks. It was, well, it was so weird seeing Hanks doing uh, sequels anyway. And then I was like, is this just Hanks knows he's never going to get cast as Captain America. So this is his best chance to have a, a sequel series or have a franchise because He's not an action guy. It's like, okay, they're sort of adventure movies, but you don't have to be an action guy. You just sort of have to be a vaguely in shape professor. It's like, I can do this. I can do this. This is me. (laughs) Dave, how does this make you feel about the final of this new trilogy, especially because you've expressed both in both of the Star Wars episodes that you've been on, this one and the one previous, you you have your issues with Abrams. How how do you feel about an Abrams-directed finale to this uh, new trilogy? I mean, this feel, to Abrams, this this movie has to feel like a slap in the face. It, It has to be like Abrams put down a board game, started setting up the pieces, and then Ryan Johnson comes along and he's like, I got my expansion pack, and just slams it down. And it's like, the rules are changing now. We're going to add this and that. And we're going to take away this boss character. And so then, and then you have JJ has to finish it. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't think JJ's like that creative to fit, to land the plane. Like he's creative to take the plane off. And it's like, hey, we're going into mystery land on this plane ride. But like in mid-flight, yeah, you have Ryan Johnson, who's just like throws out half the parts of the plane. And he goes like, all right, JJ, figure out a way to land this one. And I'm sorry. That's what I'm saying. Like, JJ, I feel, is Kathleen's golden boy. She tells him to jump. He asks how high. I'm saying he's going to go to, I'm telling you, he's going to go to Kathleen Kennedy. And he's going to say, I can't believe Ryan Johnson did this, that, and a third thing. And uh, look at the reviews. Like, I, I might have had some lukewarm uh, nostalgia points from doing remaking uh, New Hope. But look at him. He's got the 56% rotten. I swear, I bet you that. That JJ's going to take this to Kathleen, and he's just saying, "You're going to give him his own trilogy. He's going to do this, and I got to finish this." I'm telling you, something's going to happen where I think they're going to walk something back, or Ryan—they're going to have Ryan say one of those PR lines, 
where he's going to take it slowly or something, or they push uh, episode nine a little back a little farther. Because I feel like, yeah, you really need to figure out. I, I just, I don't know. Like, we didn't really go anywhere new. Like, Canto Bite level, to level the scenes <laughs> were so, like, they were so self-contained other than to show, yeah, like, oh, war smugglers are bad. And, yeah, like, in the future, kids will be part of the resistance. Like, well, that kid's, like, nine. So we're going to have to wait a real long time to finish that story arc. Because that's how I saw it as. It's like the legend of Luke Skywalker. It's like, yeah, but like the first World Order guys, what if they get another Starkiller base? Because there's no resistance to stop them. Like they're going to blow up more planets. And I said, if you stop the first World Order, does it actually feel like we've done anything? Like, does it? Because I mean, I tell you, I understand the line that Rose says to Finn at the end. But I was like, is she the person to say that? I feel like that should have been a line that like Luke should have said. Because it was so weird that like, you got Finn, and I feel like we're all understand in the theater. We're all like, okay, Finn's going to die here, but he's going to do something that, le- that Holdo did, where it's like, I got to take myself out, but I can save the resistance. Crashes into him, and she's like, I love you, and we got to protect the people we love. And then she kisses him, and I feel like John Boyega is like, wait, what? Like I just the look on his face was legitimately confusion. I can honestly say I was I was not a fan of the kiss. I was like, if we if we reverse these roles, if you had Rose doing it. And then John Boyega saved her. And everyone would be like, whoa, Rose was going to save her. I feel like you would have reversed roles. John Boyega would have looked like the bad guy. Because they'd be like, oh, Rose was going to, like, like her sister. She would have said a line like that. Like, this is for my sister, she would have said. And then they like, crashed it into the, the gun. The gun would have, like, unstable. <laughs> no, I was definitely not a fan of the kiss and not a fan of that line because... I, I hate that Star Wars has the force sometimes because I can't use my go-to word. It was forced. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but like but did, yeah, but you wanted to yell, right? I wanted to yell, but there was a child near me. But I wanted to. What are you talking about? Like it was just like that's why I felt like Finn would have would have said like, "There's AT-ATs right behind us." What are right, you? We're about to get stepped on by something. I gotta run 300 yards with your ass right now. <laughs> Because you just crashed our speeders? Oh. I don't know why we're not vaporized. Uh, yeah. I, 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 gotta, I gotta make something to drag you with, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I have a question for you, Dave. Do you have kids? No, God, no. <laughs> I got enough problems. I don't want to throw kids in the mix now. One of the greatest appreciations I've had for these this new series is that my daughter uh, gets to experience a new line of Star Wars that she can connect with. And being a parent and realizing that that's important, I mean, I've always known it's important, but you no, know, I was a white blonde kid with blue eyes growing up, so I had Luke Skywalker, you know, you know, I could relate to that pretty easily. But my daughter now, I know you guys have talked about this before brad that she's three years old and she adores ray she adores ahsoka she adores all the the girls that that are strong and powerful and seeing her love for those characters has greatly increased my own love of of the the series and i i completely agree that yes it's partially biased me no, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you don't watch a movie in a vacuum. You're going to see it with all the 
nostalgia that we have, but also seeing it through our kids' eyes, or if we don't have kids, not seeing it through their eyes or stuff like that. And those can all shade our views of stuff. But Ray's a good character. And Dave, I don't think I, I, I didn't hear you really taking any umbrage with Ray in this movie. It seemed like your problems had more to do with a lot of stuff that was happening on the ship. I was hesitant with Ray with Force Awakens because I was like, I don't want to like, yeah, I was like, all right, she's battling, you know, Kylo, but I was like, I'm not going to jump on this like Mary Sue bandwagon. I don't understand her yet, but like, as I said, like, I walked out of Force Awakens saying, that's a fine foundation. Like, nothing was like offensive to me. So I'm fine with it. I'm going to wait to see where the other movies go. And I see this one, I'm like, yeah, I think I like Ray way more. I was like, I'm definitely on board with Ray. Her storyline felt the best. I felt like that's the one that Ryan Johnson and his guys, you know, in the writing all this, I feel like that's where most of the work went to because I felt like at no point was ever confused about what Ray was saying or thinking. The other storylines, yeah, but I felt like this one, I was like, okay, I, I understand Ray completely and I'm with her on this adventure. No beef with her. Beef with, like I said, the B plot and the C plot and like, Luke wasn't the which how I wish he was, but I felt like yeah, I I, I got no beef with Ray, and I said I liked Rose. I just felt like that was a weird eleventh hour thing to throw out, like that line yeah. right after this, where you like you 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 and Finn. I felt like you both co-signed the loan. Like okay, man, we're going out like this. All right, cool, man. Force be with you, man. Bless. And then she comes on. You're like, whoa, whoa. We had a plan. Like thirteen pilots just died. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I adore Rose's character as well. Like her opening scene with Finn was incredible. That was awesome. And and a lot of people had trouble with, with Finn trying to run away again. They're like, what happened to his character arc? Well, guess what? This is only a couple days later and he just got his butt beat. He just, he's just now getting his back healed. And he's like, he sees all this stuff coming. He's like, I'm out of here. But her, she was fantastic in that scene. When I saw Finn getting the escape pod, I didn't like think, oh, he's a coward. Like I felt like I get it. You're trying to reach Ray because you don't want to like have Ray show up to like a trap set by the first order. So I understood where he was coming from, but I was like, there's no way that pod has FTL travel. There's no way that pod can like zip out of here. I think he was just hoping to get to a planet and then get wherever after that. But <laughs> the, the whole, the whole, uh, I've had to, I've had to stun three people today that were trying to use this escape pod. He's like, oh, really? Just watching the realization go. And I, I love um, acting like that. That's like always fun acting that the when you see the, the character just have this slow realization. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to have to stun you. And she tags him without hesitation. It's blah. Like I said, as, as wonky as her C plot was, I think the only part, uh, I mean, like I said, it was a little, I said, it felt a little preachy when we're going to the casino. It was like, okay, the bad guys and then the weapons thing. I'm like, okay, this could be its own movie. I really feel like that should have been its own storyline on another, in another adventure. Like, I feel like this was, I got enough to deal with right now. So this was a little wonky. Also, I don't know why they just didn't shoot Benicio. They're like, oh, so you, you came in and you hacked the ship. Like, yeah, well, these guys are paying me. All right, cool. Bam, bam, bam. I just feel like, why didn't they just, like, First Order should be like, oh, you know how to get into our code systems? All right, cool. Pew! So there was one other interesting mirror that I mentioned the one earlier with Kylo not taking the shot and Luke not taking the shot. There's also an interesting mirror in the fact that in the beginning of their little story together, Rose is dragging Finn. And then at the end of the movie, Finn is dragging Ray. You mean, well, you, you Rose, Rose. Yeah, yes, you know what I meant. <laughs> yes, Finn is dragging Rose. All like, yeah, all 300 yards on a salt flat. Well, it's funny with uh, Benicio. 
he sort of gets to live another day. And I was just watching, it's like, oh, we're going to have to deal with him in the next movie. And that was another one of these plot lines. It's like, oh, that's going to be a, that's going to take up a decent chunk of the next movie, bringing him back in, explaining it, and either him redeeming himself or him getting his comeuppance. Do we? I feel like Benicio, just keep doing Sicario, go Soldado, just do that right now. I felt like this this character wasn't worked on enough for me to like feel the Lando betrayal. It was kind of like I was like, oh, I got to deal with this too. Like I got to deal with a betrayal. I got I got A B C plot. I gotta I got to deal with Phasma now. Like getting this weird vendetta on Finn, and I got to deal with your betrayal. I was like, this is too much. Do you guys think Phasma died? She has to. Okay, she has to. Because, because I, I, and, I, and, and Brad's already heard this. I said, I said she has to die, and she has to die a, a soldier's death. She sort of died a soldier's death. I felt like because I felt like he cold cocked her out the back, and fighting with him, he knocks her out. She falls into you know, rebel scum, and then falls through all that fire. I mean, the, the fall alone got to break your knees. That's a knee breaker right then and there. And this whole thing is just crumbling, falling apart. They brought her back, and she didn't do enough. So I just feel like don't do it again. Like don't bring her back a third time. Like she's like the Black Knight from Monty Python, like limping now. <laughs> like Soldier TK two one. She's like she's like using her her, her pauldron as like a cane, trying to crawl <laughs> against him. Like no, just just end it, okay? It was weird. It was little. It was abrupt. And and here it is. It is. She did. She, uh, she had that rifle, but she never used the rifle, did she? She had the the shock stick thing, and then she pulled her her blaster pistol out. So I don't know what happened to that cool rifle she had, but. Don't ever get me wrong. Like I, I fully am able to look at this movie and say it is not perfect and there are holes. But after the second viewing, I was more able to let go of those holes and just enjoy the movie as a whole. I guess I just, I don't know, man. I feel like plot holes are starting to bother me more because I feel like the really good movies, I'm, I'm, I'm ignoring them more. I feel like the movies I'm really liking that I'm like so excited to watch again and get a DVD. I don't, I never worry about them. And it's not until like, yeah, somebody down the line that I wasn't thinking about told me about, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, it's a plot hole. I just, I don't know, man, this thing just bothered me. And I said, I like Ryan Johnson. I wish him well, but I just, I'm being realistic here. Disney wants to make money. And if it's like, if they have populace of people who are like angry with them, I can't see them being like wanting to give him control over another movie right now. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but if you guys heard or seen the whole art. There was an article. I didn't get a chance to read it. My girlfriend did, but I didn't read it myself yet that the 55 on rotten tomatoes was not falsified, but was weighted because people were going in and making like six or seven reviews oh, of it. God, is this, is this an MRE thing or I don't know where I saw it. I know I saw the article and I didn't get a chance to read it, but she did. I don't want this to turn into another ghostbusters I answer the call. Okay. Like I love ghostbusters. And what angered me was I, I love reading the comics right now. Eric Burnham and, and, and Dan Shoving do a great job in those comics. And when the movie came out, I'm like, I'm not enjoying it. But when I heard they were going to put them in the comics, I was like, great, because they're going to be fun. And then they were. So it's not that like, Oh, female ghostbusters can't work. It's like, no, they can work. Like clearly these comic book artists and, and writers knew what to do with it. Just that, Doing just improv jokes for an hour and a half is not going to work for a film. Right. It can work for like <laughs> if you get Seth Rogen and James Franco high and there's almost no plot, that's fine. But it's like these are scientists who have to bust ghosts. Like you need this coherent plot. You can't be like, want to make more lady button uh, wonton jokes? 
Oh, <laughs> uh, I told you, if anyone, if anyone wanted to like the Ghostbusters movie more, I seriously tell you, you got to pick up the IDW Ghostbusters comics. You're gonna have so much fun. They and they they don't care. They do crossover. Literally, they go to different Ghostbuster dimensions. They met the real Ghostbusters. They met the Turtles from the latest IDW comics. It's so fun. Left Riot. And there's so they make and there's so many Easter egg jokes to like they 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 reference in one of the dimensions they went to that apparently they ran into Vankman and he was a he was a groundskeeper. I was like, they're doing it, they're doing it. They're, I was like, this is great. That was great. And, 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 uh, and I was like, oh, I was like, I'm, I'm laughing my butt off just be like all these little little Easter egg jokes and like one of the machines Egon was building like had a flux capacitor like in the corner of it. I was like, this is great. One of my favorite um, uh, Star Wars comics. Had Indiana Jones was in some wilderness and comes across a Yeti, and it turns out it was Chewbacca. Oh, Chewbacca leads uh, Indiana Jones to a cabin, and then in the cabin is uh, the skeleton of Han Solo because it turns out they went through some sort of portal. Whoa! And of course, it was very cool because it's you know Harrison Ford's two iconic characters. Did Chewbacca take him on the ship? No, it was in a cabin. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. So, and, and then of course, Indy's like, something seems really familiar about that guy. <laughs> I would have loved it, man. Chewbacca is just like, just like this one, this one. And then like takes him aboard. He's like, whoa, what is this ship? And then you go Indiana Jones and Chewbacca in space. <laughs> this should happen. Should happen. The fan service that I did appreciate, appreciate in this movie the Falcon sweeping in to save the day on crate. Damn right. That got Damn my right. heart going like seriously. So he's like, I am in control. I loved it. And he was flying the f- yeah. out of that. He's ship. like, Oh, I got this baby. I got it. And then, yeah. And Ray's like, she's having fun nailing the ships. I thought I was like, yeah, as I said, like, and I really, I really expected Luke to, to fly in with the old, like rusty X-wing. I would have had a whole, I would have loved if he like had a joke, like my, in my mind, him just like raising the ship out of the water, getting in like, and then trying to like fly it, sense it with the with the force, and being like, "Man, it's easier when R two does this." Some joke like that. in my mind, yeah. I really felt like that. <laughs> I, I fully expected the the lift out of the water as well. Yeah, Chekhov's X wing, yeah. All right, guys, um, this has been fantastic. Thank you both so much for uh, bringing your bringing the big guns and uh, having some fantastic opinions. Before uh, we let you go, Dave, uh, talk to everybody about Five Minutes of Mystery. I discussed the uh, the superhero ensemble comedy with Ben Stiller, Mystery Men. Actually, tonight I am trying to get my uh, latest episode of the Serious out before Christmas because I was going to get Ralph from Cake Boss to uh, email me in some well wishes for the listeners. So I want to finish that up tonight before I go to bed. Get that out to people. He's a great guest if you get him on there. <laughs> oh, there's a story behind that. And I think I have Ralph talking about it. We tried three times and it all failed. So I said, Ralph, can you literally just record holiday greetings for me? And I'll just put it in for the listeners. Because this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> Five Minutes of Mystery is such a great show. It's very different because it's uh, you, you get episodes out monthly. And then you also have your sort of... Uh, in- where you do it five minutes at a time. And then you also have some great in-between episodes that uh, have some great content. Yeah. Honestly, if I have, a, I there's no need to have a discussion with Dave. I'm just going to tell people to like, can, as I said, I want to ask if I could just like bar the link or just something where I can just link it to this and be like, this is a, this is, this is the discussions with Dave right here. It's just like the post Dave just barfs out <laughs> all of his criticisms at the last Jedi. Uh, yeah. We recommend everyone <laughs> check it out. It, it's a really good show. Mystery men, 
movie that was really ahead of its time. And I think comic book movies are just now catching up to it. And you're getting some cool stuff that you can sort of see the influence or see people sort of discovering the same uh, vein of humor and uh, deconstruction of comic book movies. So uh, highly recommended. Thank you. Thomas, uh, you have uh, finished recording. Have you put out the last episode yet? Yes. Our our last episode for The NeverEnding Story itself is actually done. Um, we completed it up about, I mean, shoot, it's almost been a month now. The feed's going to still be open because we intend to have some interviews. We're going to talk about the sequels, not in minute-by-minute minute format, but we're going to break it down into more manageable bites <laughs> because the movies are not terribly great. But we'll have some fun discussing that um i do have some other projects coming up though if you don't mind me talking about them please please with the co-host of princess bride minute steve lasto we kind of hooked up and decided that we wanted a franchise to attack because we both did single movies and we wanted to a chance wanted to uh take some bites out of something that was going to last a little longer so he and i and jerry o'brien a longtime friend of his are tackling the x-men movies oh nice Yes, we're going to go in, in by chapter because there's 12 of them. We actually we want to hit all the movies within the decade. <laughs> so we're going to go in DVD chapters and break them down that way. So we're going to get into all those and we're going to we're going to talk about comics and and cartoons and the movies and get into all that. So we're, we're really excited about that. That should be coming out somewhere around the beginning of the year. And then as I upgraded my equipment to get ready for that show. I had a spare set of equipment sitting in my room. And I was like, well, what am I going to do with this stuff? And I changed the layout of my room and set my girlfriend's recliner like opposite mine with a table between us. And now we have two microphones set up, one for her, one for me. And we're going to start attacking the fantasy movies of the 80s. Nice. Uh, in a mild minute by minute format we're going to do about three minute or three minutes per episode and we're going to do two episodes a week so it'll be like six minutes a week and we're going to hit movies like labyrinth not labyrinth i'm sorry movies like legend like dark crystal like conan all the high fantasy movies that we grew up with in the 80s that shaped my own love of of movies now those are the things that we're going to hit and i'm really looking forward to that project oh shoot uh, that sounds great stuff Thomas, your Twitter page is, uh, or your Twitter account is still uh, the Wookie Lives. Yes, my Twitter and my Instagram are the Wookie Lives, and my Twitter. I, I really need to get more active on my own Twitter. I end up using my Never Ending Minute Twitter more than anything else, um, and that's at Nevenmin, N E V E N D M I N. If you're looking for cute pictures of a three year old girl who's Big into fandom, follow my Instagram at the Wookie Lives. Uh, I put up pictures of her all the time and what she's doing. I think that's it. Great stuff. And uh, Dave, where uh, do you have a Twitter handle, or where's the best uh, place for people to follow what you're up to? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can follow me at, yeah, on Twitter. I'm, I'm uh, always trying to try to talk about All Star and how the Shrek people <laughs> try to steal it from me uh, at Five Minutes Mystery. And um, yeah, I'm at uh, Five Minutes of Mystery dot com. All right, guys, uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for doing this. One last small plug, just so I don't get get in trouble with the big man upstairs. Uh, check out uh, GrowlerMedia.com. If you're looking for the, the Fantasy 80 Movies Minute, it's going to be there, along with NeverEnding Minute and the uh, other wonderful podcasts that are there, like Beauty and the Beastly Minute and some other ones that our producer and some other people put out. Great content there. 
Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. This is Tom Bacon from Screen Ramp, and my favourite thing of 2017 was Daphne Keane's X23. Your brain gets smart, but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see, so what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. Hey now, you're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. I don't feel like arguing the point about why that movie is amazing. <laughs> I feel like championing it, though. Aww. I have some minor quibbles, so I will be the voice of dissent, I suppose. But I loved it, so not a very strong one. <laughs> I got two things I don't like, but I can deal with it because everything else is so good. Since Mike is ready to get to, fi- to fire, why don't we just... Uh... <laughs> Are we uh, everybody ready to, d- to dive right in? Yeah. Sure. Mike and Tierney are here, and Mike is uh, ready to go. I'm ready also. I'm uh, sitting at my computer. I have my sipping whiskey with me in case things get crazy <laughs> and I need to numb the pain. Sipping. Oh, yeah. This is like homemade sipping whiskey, so I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm ready. This, uh, this, stuff will, this stuff will make you like rethink religion. It's strong stuff. This is a grown-up podcast now. Exactly. We're, it, it, this isn't for this isn't your dad's Cosmic Geppetto podcast. This is uh, <laughs> Cosmic Geppetto at night. Aw, I'm a bad representative. <laughs> Mike, how are you doing? Uh dude, I'm on cloud ten. My Kickstarter hit today <laughs> for uh, over seven thousand dollars, and we're talking Star Wars, so I'm great. Congratulations! It's really exciting. More cool stuff of vigilance. Uh, we we had uh, Al Vern and uh veronica on uh recently they were amazing you you have such a you're, you're doing such a good job of finding great people uh aside from being good talent uh they're also good representatives for the brand uh we really enjoyed talking to both of them they'll, they'll they will both be back awesome yeah i listened to the episode it was a good episode tierney how are you I'm doing well. I am enjoying the relaxing good life after wrapping two movies by minutes podcasts. Uh, one of them was Return to Oz Minute with someone named Mike. So this is a very odd feeling for me. It's like, welcome, Mike. And then the, your voice. And I'm like, that's that's not my, my podcast and Mike, <laughs> but I'll allow it. Uh, yeah. The, uh, Return to Oz Minute is wrapped. Never Ending Minute is wrapped. We are going to cover the sequels, not minute by minute. <laughs> So those episodes will be coming at some point, hopefully soon. And in the meantime, I'm seven months pregnant and nothing is comfortable. And my mic feels really, really far away because I can't bend over towards it. So there's that. <laughs> it's literally bounced on the box for a diaper genie. I have no sipping whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That'll uh, that'll get you arrested. So you, yeah, you... yeah. That would be frowned upon. <laughs> but uh, I, I made it through Return to Jedi. Uh, Return to Jedi. Oh, my gosh. I made it through The Last Jedi without having to take a bathroom break. So that was my pregnancy win for the entire month of December. <laughs> awesome. 
Yeah, it is awesome. Uh, I remember my poor wife, when she was eight months pregnant with our first child, I took her to a concert. <laughs> she was such a gamer, and she stayed through through the encore. And, uh, and it was like, wow, Heather, that's just amazing. She's like, oh, yeah, but you're going to hear about this for the rest of your life. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, that, that has happened. Uh, I have not won an argument. Not that I won many beforehand, but I have not won an argument because she has that trump card. It's like, oh, I stayed through the encore. It's like, but this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. It's like, doesn't matter. Just on principle. <laughs> this is your first little one, right? Yeah. Congratulations again. Mike and I are both parents so uh we know a little bit of the world you're going to though it's different dad's different than mom mom does all the hard work we just we stand and take all the credit yeah i've heard sleep is a thing of the past that sounds about right but no we went to um we went to thor ragnarok which i really enjoyed but the entire time i was like kind of sleepy (laughs) and like kind of slouched in my seat and just trying to get comfortable and so I was really nervous when they said, oh, this is going to be the longest Star Wars movie ever. And I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) I was so nervous. I was like, what if I have to pee? I'm going to get up and everyone is going to hate me. (laughs) I was very pleased. That has nothing to do with my actual like feelings and thoughts on Last Jedi, but it was a pleasant surprise. So I like to think that the kiddo liked it too. Yeah, the the sleep is going to change. I tried to be your good a good partner to my wife and I try to take as many of the uh, midnight feedings as humanly possible. It was when I discovered that I'm actually a terrible father because I uh, got up and I took uh, Chase, our oldest, who was, you know, just weeks old, took him downstairs, heated up the bottle, I'm feeding him. I'm like, well, this is going to take a while because he, he didn't really understand the whole drinking from a, bo- from a bottle thing yet. So I just put on the TV. It's just like, I'll just put something on. It's like, oh, I've heard about this, uh, Spartacus blood and sand. I'll try that. Giving the bottle to my son while watching it. And have you guys ever seen Spartacus blood and sand? Yes, I've seen all of mm-hmm. it. It is outrageously violent and uh, <laughs> outrageously sexually explicit. And I'm watching this, and all of a sudden, I was like, I, I know my son's only like 14 days old and can't really comprehend what's on TV. I still shouldn't have this on while my while holding my son. <laughs> That's right. I suck at this. Thank God I have it. Like my wife is a great mom or else God only knows the kids are eight, five and five. They probably already would be in jail if it was just left up to me. We are talking Star Wars. The Last Jedi. (sighs) A very interesting movie where the critics loved it. It is done very well on Rotten Tomatoes. uh, I think it's in the 90 percent, 90 percent plus uh, positive reviews. A lot of fans love it, and then a lot of fans really seems to tick them off. The, the real kicker for me was there was a, a fan sign-up sheet or whatever they're called. Uh, petition. Uh, online petition. Thank you. Online petition asking Disney to remove it, remove the movie from canon. Oh, for goodness sake. I was like, well, there's people that have absolutely nothing else going on in their lives because, first off, it's not like there hasn't been what could be considered a bad Star Wars movie before. I'm also pretty sure that the, even though it's not shown very often, I think the Star Wars Christmas special is still in canon. So come on. <laughs> it might be. But somebody brought up a very good point about this petition or people being upset and wanting to remove it from canon. Let's, let's, and in their exact words, and I think I tried to save it because I knew I was about to hear it go on the podcast. Let this sink in. 
anyone who wants to remove the last Jedi from canon wants to remove Princess Leia's last performance in Star Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the movie as well. I liked it quite a bit. I think it was a very daring movie. I think it was uh, certainly not perfect, and I don't think anybody is saying that it was a perfect movie. And there's certainly ways that you can have an intelligent discussion with valid criticisms, but I, I, I liked it a bit, and I just am, am, you know, I think, Mike, you and I talked about this before in a previous episode where there just seems to be a thing where nobody wants to give a movie a B plus or a B minus. If, if you're going to go online or if you're going to have an opinion, it has to be, it's the greatest thing ever or it's the worst thing that ever happened. And this seems to be suffering from that. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. Because when you first said 90% plus positive reviews, I thought, well, that's a little high. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I loved it, but that feels a little excessive. And then I was like, no, he just said positive reviews. That doesn't mean 90%. It falls on the upper half of that. That makes perfect sense to me. Right. What got me. So when I first left the movie, I didn't have that. Oh my God. Like every cell is firing because Star Wars feeling that I did leaving Force Awakens. Um, and I went back and saw Force Awakens within like 48 hours of seeing it. Cause I was just so excited to have new Star Wars. And with this one, I'm much more zen and like trying to figure out like, okay, well, this means this. and But have enjoyed how many comparisons there have been to Empire and how people have said like, what was the reaction to Empire versus how people feel about it now? And I really do think it holds up to that. And there were moments in watching the movie where I had that feeling of like every synapse is firing because, oh my God, Star Wars. It had those moments, and then it did a few things that I had specifically said I didn't want it to do, and yet I enjoyed them in the moment. And that was what really, to me, was like, they did a good job. Because I specifically said, oh my god, don't do this, you'll ruin it. And then the minute the French horn starts swelling, I'm in. See, I think that's actually really cool that you say it like that. Because I think that blind excitement of, oh my god, it's a Star Wars movie, is, is exactly what they wanted to get away from. Because we got that when we got Force Awakens because there's so many callbacks to the um, original trilogy. Disney spent $4.5 billion on this franchise. They had to show us that they could make a Star Wars movie. Give We had to give them faith and say um, that, yeah, okay, Disney, you're good. You can make a Star Wars movie. That makes us happy. Now with the next one, you've got to go left. you got to go completely left and throw us off. Because the thing with me, I, I didn't have that feeling either. It was a good movie and I liked it, but I did not have that all oh, Star Wars feeling. But I but I did that to myself and I figured out I was so in love with the Star Wars theories and I was so in love with the potential of what these theories could bring and you know coming up with my own thing. I was distracted while watching the movie trying to connect the dots instead of taking in the movie. The second time I saw it, like when Mark Hamill passes the torch to Poe, to, to Ray, and to Finn, ah, my heart started beating and the fluttering came and I was like, oh, this is it. Oh, that that's it. Because I wasn't distracted by anything else. And I got to watch a Star Wars film. And there were some moments that I loved outside of the fact that it was a Star Wars film. 
of um I we're just gonna have some spoilers because that's what's happening, right? Yes, but we're 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 spoiling. There's just gonna be a spoiler warning at the beginning of That's what I figured, but all of a sudden I was like, wait a second, wait a second. The entire scene in Snoke's throne room. <laughs> and especially when Ray and Kylo start heading toward each other and you realize they're going to fight back to back, I like stopped breathing. And it was like, that had nothing to do with the fact that they've each got a lightsaber. That would have been amazing in any movie. When that, when you have that moment where you realize what's about to happen, you're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) It was such a good scene. And yes, it was a really good scene in a star Wars movie. Obviously everything that's happening in that scene is very rooted in this universe. But I feel like you could have taken that writing and put it in another movie and it would still have been great. Well, and it was also a scene that had ne- I've never seen a battle scene like that in a Star Wars film. Always when the Jedis fight, it's either against another Jedi, uh, where it's evenly matched and, you know, that sort of duel. Or it's guys with blasters shooting at them. And basically, those are the scenes that are showing how bad the Jedis are. I'd never seen a scene where they are fighting against impressive fighters, but not other Jedis with different weapons and showing just how impressive they are, not just deflecting blaster shots. And it it was a very cool scene, and it was a great new way to see Jedis fight. And I I enjoyed that quite a bit, and it was different. And I'm just watching it, it's like, I've never seen anything like this before. This is really, really cool. First viewing and second viewing, that scene put me on the edge of the seat because I'm I'm right there with you. Like I was like, oh my god, they're teaming up. They're going to team up exactly right now. <laughs> and when their backs met, I said, it's about to go down. Oh my goodness! Like <laughs> like that fight, like that kind of takes it back to some of the old Republic stuff when it wasn't just the Jedi and the Sith that were good at fighting the Jedi and Sith. They put in work and so the kills they got off on those. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. That that scene was really, really good. Like everything about that scene, the the choreography, the, the, the long shot, the slow-mo right before it. And even showing that Ray knows how to handle a lightsaber, but not how to handle a lightsaber. Like she's got raw skill at swinging around but at a certain point in the midst of that fight she kind of ran out of moves (laughs) well it was a nice follow-up on something that i had found interesting the first movie where and they actually addressed it in last jedi where ben solo or uh ren got beat by a young woman who had never held a lightsaber before i was like yeah that's a good point that's something i sort of wondered in the first movie that was like my criticism of Force Awakens, where I I thought it might have been a mistake having her stand toe-to-toe with him in that scene. But this movie sort of addressed that. And and like you say, it showed she is just an incredible, has incredible raw ability. But in that scene, it did show she's still sort of learning the finesse aspects. And also that Kylo Ren is a very torn character. And and it, it makes Kylo such a different villain than Darth Vader was and he's a little bit more of an anti-hero and where Darth Vader was just a, a distinctly evil presence until the very very last minute Kylo Ren is more of a just tortured soul throughout the throughout the series so far and to the point where he's more of an anti-hero than he is a bad guy it's a very cool thing with certain villains that can function very well where has a sort of has a point 
and he was doesn't see himself as a villain uh, as opposed to the very basic Darth Vader. Look at him. He's obviously evil. He talks evil. He's choking people left and right. And the Emperor couldn't have been more of a central casting evil character. In Last Jedi, the -the over-the-top evil character gets cut in half partway through the movie, which I didn't see coming at all. I love that that was such a non-thing. After all the lead-up. I mean, I listened to the panel we did before the movie came out. And we spent a good, what, 15 minutes talking about who Snoke could be? And it just doesn't matter! Yeah, it turns out Snoke could be a guy that gets split in half in the second act of the movie. But here, here's the thing with Snoke. Like, a lot of people that are, are so upset about this, they forget that characters are tools for the narrative. And there are different types of characters. Who Snoke is, like, because I had to get over this too, who Snoke is does not matter. Especially in comparison to the original trilogy. We didn't know where Darth Sidious came from. We didn't know his backstory. We just knew he was a very powerful, evil bad guy that corrupted Anakin Skywalker. And that's all we needed because the real focus was Luke and the Rebels trying to win and come together. Snoke doesn't matter. Snoke is just this manipulative, evil dude who's super powerful who's corrupted Kylo. Kylo and Rey are the focus. Their their relationship moving the Star Wars world in the future is what matters, not Snoke. And I like to point out, Snoke did conveniently forget Kylo got shot by a damn cannon, okay? He got shot by a cannon. He's holding his insides together. Kylo had a handicap in that fight. Oh, yeah, and also Kylo <laughs> didn't really want to kill her. He he was sort of trying to bring her over to his side, so he was uh, definitely he was injured. He was... He just killed his dad. It wasn't a fair fight by any stretch. Now, uh, one thing that uh, our frequent contributor, our co-founder of the Cosmic Geppetto podcast, Jarf, Posted on uh, our our Facebook page, asking people for their favorite scenes from the movie. And Mike, it was pretty fun. You uh, you like posted six different uh, responses to that because there were so many. But if I have to go with the one that took my breath away, the light speeding her ship into the other ships was incredible. That was incredible. It was amazing, and it's one of those things where. That's never been done in a Star Wars movie before. And no one ever thought about it. The ships, in all the Star Wars movies, the ships are really there to look cool and to transport characters. Most of the battles in the Star Wars films have been people shooting blasters at each other or Jedi's dueling. It was the first time where you had that sort of... I never even thought of someone doing that before in one of these movies. And then when she turned that ship around, I was like, oh man, this is... This is going to get real. And there had never been a scene like that. And the great bit where there was no sound when the ships collided. Breathtaking. <laughs> it's one of those, it feels like such an obvious strategy once right. she did it, but it never occurred to any of us beforehand. Fair. <laughs> I did get taken out of it a little bit. The bombers at the beginning. I don't care if we have to bring Magnix into it. That's fine. I loved the bombers Mm -hmm. because I feel like George Lucas probably liked them, but they did take me out of it as a Star Wars movie because I was a military history major and I specialized in World War II. And so the minute they came out, people were like, why are they so slow? This is stupid. And why don't they have defenses? And I'm like, this is actually totally accurate, guys. Like, that's what it was. That's why they were so, it was so dangerous to be in a bomber. On the one hand, I hated that because it took me out of the movie and it was so early that I like hadn't settled into it yet. 
But at the same time, that was one of two scenes, and the other one I think might be my favorite, where I like kind of smiled to myself and thought, I bet George loved this. Because <laughs> I, I did read something about that he had said in passing that he he did like it or something like that. You know, he had something complimentary to say about Ryan Johnson or about the movie in general. And so when the bombers came out and they actually behaved like bombers, I just could picture him being like, like when I used the footage. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great scene. That's a, it was an amazing start to the movie. And it also set this, it's, it's sort of where this movie was so began being very different where, and it struck me about halfway through the movie where you have this crazy, tense, slow speed chase between these two ships and it's just firing on the rebels and firing on the rebels. And I'm like, wow, this is really, it, it almost felt like like a bottle episode of Star Wars. And you certainly, you had the detours with Ray and Luke uh, training and the, the stuff on the gambling planet. Really so much of this was just slow war of attrition going on. They're not going to get away. They can't get away if they try to go to hyperspace. That, that'll that be the end of them. I, again, they just did a lot of stuff very different for Star Wars movies. Now, Tier, did you, you, you said you had another favorite scene? Yeah, actually, I think my favorite, because I enjoyed it just as much as I picture Luke is doing it, was uh, Luke and Yoda. That scene with the tree. I've seen people say, oh, this one's too jokey. I do not understand that. To me, the jokes are part of the magic that makes up Star Wars. Like, you can't have a good Star Wars movie if it doesn't have these ridiculous, sarcastic one-liners. And Yoda just smiling and be like, mm, I think I'll set that on fire now. When they're sitting there, I, I mean, I love the whole interaction, but especially when they're both sitting there watching it burn. That really, like, tugged at the heartstrings a little bit. I loved everything on the island, though, to be fair. I, I quite frankly could take or leave everything else that was happening. The, the island stuff was so cool. Mark Hamill's, people forget, and I think he's gotten better as he's gotten older. He's an amazingly good actor, especially when you don't try to make him a lead actor. I think uh, he's such a good voice actor. He's a really great character actor. Did some fun stuff not that long ago in the first Kingsman movie. When he became Luke in the 70s, when he became Luke Skywalker, they tried to make him a lead actor. Aside from Star Wars movies, that never really happened for him. I think he did Corvette Summer, and that was about it for him being a mainstream lead actor. He's so much more effective as a voice actor and a, doing character pieces where he gets to be a little over the top. He was so good in the Yoda role, but as a, like a much crankier, angrier Yoda. I loved him throwing the lightsaber. I have seen so many people crying their fanboy tears online about it, and I thought it was brilliant. I laughed out loud. <laughs> it literally set the tone for the movie. Mark Hamill, he is our support structure through this film. He's walking us through it, literally with his lines and his actions, letting you know this is not the 1970s Star Wars, okay? I want you guys to understand that we are breaking new ground, and this is not, like, literally, this is not going to end how you want it to, how you think it is. Like, get ready for us going. If you thought we were going to left, we're going right. So get ready for the experiment. And I loved everything about that. Like, I enjoyed so much. Like, there's so much in it that I like. But I, I think my favorite part of it as a narrative is the character arcs for Finn, Ray, and Poe. 
Poe is the absolute best damn pilot we've seen in any galaxy. All right, I've never seen anybody fly a plane, a fighter plane in space, the way Poe does. Forget Anakin, forget Luke, forget all of them. Poe is the best pilot ever. And there's always criticisms that so many of the characters in Star Wars films are sort of, what's the term, uh, Molly Sue's? Mary Sue. Mary Sue's. They're, they're perfect at everything. Luke was a Jedi and also a great pilot. And Poe's a really good pilot. As they sort of showed, sort of sucked at everything else. Yeah. Wasn't a, wasn't a good strategist, a hothead. Isn't even always a good friend. <laughs> not a good strategist. Not good at seeing the big picture, and it, great because that gave him some growth it, at the end of the movie. And it's was a, a really sort of daring choice. His big successes realizes like, uh, we gotta get out of here. We, we we can't have the big battle. We can't sacrifice everything. It's like that's a, that's the wrong move. And actually showing that his big daring decisions at the beginning really hurt his cause. So you get to show that he's a great pilot, but no, otherwise. He sort of sucks and has a lot of growing to do. And it's great that he has that growth to happen. I agree 135 million. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I had said I wanted to see in this movie was I wanted Poe to have something to do. It was so obvious to me that they did not have a plan for that character for obvious reasons in The Force Awakens. I was very glad I could sit here and nitpick the actual plot of the slow chase to death because... Yeah, that mm. you just kind of have to take that on face value as what it is. We can all sit here in our armchairs and come up with 11 different ways that Bellion could have done something different or the First Order could have done something different to resolve that or change that sequence. But you know what? That wasn't the movie. I also could have taken her leave going to the gambling planet. And I do think yeah. that was a completely missed opportunity for a Lando cameo. Just come on guys. It was right there in front of you. It was. I do appreciate the casino um, storyline. It shows them failing. It shows them not giving up. I mean, they failed so many times on that mission, but they kept going. They kept trying to find an alternate route. They kept trying to find an alternate way to fix things. And they kept pushing. Even when they got caught, they were still rebels. And so in a way, their success was them owning being rebel scum. Hence why when Finn smacks her with that baton and she says, you're scum, he's like, correction, rebel scum. He owns it. He is in the rebellion now. Rose is in the rebellion. They... It's like how when older people say, you don't deserve that because you haven't earned it, this was their movie to earn it. They got it. They, they <laughs> needed that. They needed to be slapped in the face. They needed to fail. And, and and look where it got Finn. At that moment where he was getting ready to sacrifice his life, he was willing to give it up, and he was doing it. And then like when Luke is out there by himself, he's like, oh, we got to go out there and help. Like Finn is no longer running. He's not, he's not being selfish and just thinking about him and his friends. He's here to fight now. So that is where he was successful at. Finn had such a great arc. And also what was crazy, uh, he had so little interactions with Poe or Ray. It was, and those were such great, uh, he had such great chemistry with those characters before, but they set him up with Rose. And Rose was amazing. What a great character. And also she was representative of something I thought was so wonderful in this movie I want to see if you guys picked up on this as well. A very valid criticism of the original trilogy was 
there were just no women in the movie. It made so much sense where you had female fighter pilots. And I was like, of course there's female fighter pilots. The rebels are getting crushed. They're not going to like all of a sudden like have gender requirements for these roles. They're getting killed. Anyone who can fly a, pl- a fly a fighter is going to be, they're going to need. Even a moisture farmer who showed up yesterday. <laughs> it was so great to see. They did it very well. And they, uh, it, the diversity has improved so much in these movies, not just for the sake of diversity, but they get great actors to play these roles. It was a great thing to see in this movie because it's, something that the Star Wars universe has not always excelled at. Well, and I was getting a little cranky of, oh, so Rose is a main character now, so of course she's going to be involved in everything. But I realized when we meet her, she's a mechanic. So it actually does make sense that she's a pilot at the end because they said the whole point is that those ships are falling apart and hardly anyone can get them moving. So it kind of makes sense that it it kind of became a, hey, if you can get it going, hop in, go for it. I do wish we had a little like quick scene of when they were getting ready of her being the one who's like figuring it out or getting them going. But you know what? Hey, I'll take it. It's a step in the right direction, right? (laughs) Just just wait for the Blu-ray to come out. There'll be a deleted scene. There wasn't anything I disliked enough that I was like, oh, I can't believe that. We can all sit here and come up with like, well, why didn't the ship just jump ahead of them and turn around and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, because that wasn't the story. Get over it. it. Like you said, anybody can come up with a plan when they're sitting at home on their couch from the outside looking in and they have all the information. They're not in charge of the 400 lives that are trying to get away. It's not as easy just making a snap decision like they, that. That's a process. They have to they, take time. They have to talk with amongst each other. The biggest complaint that, well, uh, I stand right. There's tons of complaints. But one of the issues is, is that why not tell Poe? Because Poe's an idiot. I don't got to tell Poe nothing. I outrank him. I'm a general and he just got demoted. Not only did he get demoted, he got smacked in the face and said, you're an idiot. He said, we don't need you right now. You need to do what I say. She's trying to teach Poe a lesson that he needs to understand his position. And he needs to follow orders. Someone pointed out, and I did not think of this at the time, that Poe is the one who tells them over the microphone what's going on so that Benicio Del Toro can betray them. Wow! The minute they do tell him, he does do the wrong thing and screw it up. He didn't do it on purpose, and it wasn't who saw that coming. But yeah, technically, she was on the right track. And that's exactly it. He's irresponsible. He's the gun who needs to be pointed in the right direction to blow stuff up. <laughs> it's also a thing where, Michael, you sort of alluded to something similar to this earlier, where the point isn't to have these completely rock-solid logistical movies where everyone does exactly the right thing at the right time and thinks through it. Why didn't they figure out all these weird, goofy ways to escape? Because then you don't have the movie. You don't have the tension. You just have the good guy. Oh, oh, wonderful. The good guys get away. Well, that was a 15-minute movie that with no tension. <laughs> you have to have a little suspension of disbelief. They need to do these things and just accept it because otherwise there's no movie. They want to tell a specific story. If you just had them escape easily, oh, great. Now there's no film. Well, I, I like to add on that. I, I, I just think it's a part of life. That I had a situation in my personal life like recently where – I got into an argument and a simple conversation could have resolved the argument, but we didn't have the conversation. 
Because you know what? Why? Because I was I didn't want to talk to him. I didn't want to have the conversation because I was upset. And in my mind, I was in the right. I didn't need to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I like to write comic book stories of people that reflect life. Not every aspect of life, but things that are in there enough that are relatable. And those things happen. If someone is a general and they just watch their mentor demote somebody, of course she's going to come on and like, I don't have to explain nothing to you. I'm in charge. You're a soldier. Do what I'm telling you to do. You don't need to know anything until I tell you what you need to know. Flat out. Poe just got a bunch of people killed. No one's taking in regards that that might have just pissed her off. That some of those people on the ship might have been her people. They don't have a bomber fleet anymore that they could have used maybe in this situation. They sort of established with her character. She was, and they sort of were whispers about this and talk about the character where she was a very successful leader who didn't always do the heroic thing, but knew how to how to win and how to get the other pals. Her seeing somebody who seemed more interested in being the hero and doing the heroic thing would be um, irritating to her because it's completely opposite of what little we've seen of her character. So it made sense that, uh, you know what, you can actually just you could actually just shut up and do as you're told. And and she then at the end says, like, I like him. She appreciates what he brings. And, but she, she knows he's like this is somebody who needs to learn how to think outside of just what his most ingrained instincts tell him to do and learn how not to be the hero sometimes. Yeah. He also needs to get over the fact that she just has a different leadership style from Leia. That doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. She even you says, you're, you're a hot shot fly boy. I know exactly how to deal with you. Constantly. I mean, the movie does nothing but slap you in the face with obvious. All right. Like, they, they lay it out for you. She's dealt with several pilots that are just like Poe, and she knows how to handle it. This is her way of handling it. It just so happens, this is the one situation where it went awry because Poe is a, a hot seat. Michael, you, how many times have you seen the film? I've seen it twice, and I'm trying to go see it again this weekend. Tierney, have you had a chance to see it again? I've only seen it the once. I'm really debating if I'm going to be able to get back to see it in theaters, or if I'm going to wait, because I usually don't buy them the new movies i i bought rogue one but i figure well in a few well a few years after nine comes out disney will release a new box set that i will spend an exorbitant amount of money on to replace the box set that i have that replaced the one before that that replaced the one before that right it'll be on netflix before you know it because disney has the arrangement with netflix rogue one is on netflix right now and before you know it, Disney will have its own streaming service. So eh, there'll be other ways to see it until that super special box set comes out. So many people I've talked with, including people who are going to be on this episode and other sections, have said how they didn't like it the first time or they had problems with it the first time. A lot of people need that second viewing. Like there's, I think because this movie's so radically different than the other Star Wars films, you need that second viewing to sort of like the first time you see it, it's so almost foreign to what you expect from a Star Wars movie. You need that second viewing. And people, I've seen people's opinions change drastically upon the second go around with this film. I, I, I have a feeling where there's an initial anger because of one of the reasons that people complain. I, I think this is going to be a film that gets a lot more love as time passes. I think this is going to... Uh, eventually become a lot of people's favorite Star Wars movie, or at least their favorite after Empire. Empire's always going to be number one for a huge majority. Of- I've, I've seen a lot of people putting their list up, and it's, it's in the top four. But I definitely agree. I think the movie is going to get a lot more favor as we go on. 
And I think there's a lot more fans out there that like it than hate it. Um, I've always come to notice and the loudest voices of anger are normally in a smaller crowd and you just hear them because they're just the loudest ones at it. Um, I actually got into it with a guy <laughs> this week on my Facebook page about Star Wars and to the point where I had to block him. I'm all for everyone having their opinion. And, you know, even if I don't agree with your opinion, that's cool because as long as we can have a discussion where we can see each other's perspectives and still disagree, I'm perfectly fine with that. But this guy kept coming on my page with just negative stuff with every time that I posted something about Star Wars. Finally, it got to the point to where I started deleting his comments because he just kept saying the same thing over again, over and over. And then I messaged him and said, hey, look, you need to chill out on my page. You're coming on my page with the same old story every single time. We get it. We understand why you don't like it. In this last post, I wasn't even talking to you. It wasn't even directed to you, and you still came on my post attacking me. If you could just calm that down, please. He came back with all types of F-bombs in his message, and I was like, you know what? We good. You blocked. We're done. I mean, just the fact that he used an F-bomb in a discussion. I never cussed at him. You're really getting heated about something that you have no buy-in in right now. You didn't pay $4 billion for it. We can disagree. I can disagree with anybody. It's just you, you have to be able to understand someone else's perspective on why they liked it or why they don't like it and then leave it at that. You're not going to change my mind. I've already said it on my page. No one's changing my mind. This movie's amazing. I love it. I really hope it wasn't J.J. Abrams' secret identity. <laughs> <laughs> I have no problem with people disagreeing with me. Heck, I had a one of our recent episodes of the podcast was me and Zach Luna from uh, Spider-Man Minute got into a disagreement about, of all things, the quality of the Halloween movie Hocus Pocus. <laughs> because my life is insane and these are the things that I disagree with people. But rather than he and I denigrating each other's heritage, instead, he came on the episode. We had a fantastic discussion. It was really fun. And Zach's a great guy. And I, you can have disagreements. And disagreements where you don't end up on the same side at the end of it. As He didn't convince me of anything. I didn't convince him of anything. We just ended up having a really fun discussion that made for one of my favorite episodes of this podcast. It was such a cool conversation because I found out that he's also one of the cost. He ended up being a somebody who built costumes for Black Panther is like, oh, crap. I'm so glad we had this discussion. That's awesome. I know. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be back to talk about that. So (laughs) you can disagree and you can respectfully disagree and you can even passionately disagree. But it sounds like this person was just every time you would say something, they would just have to jump on and criticize and get sort of across the line. It's like, you made your point. Move on. Next thing. You're not changing anything here. We've heard you. It gets to the point where then you start hurting your point, where you're you're not going to convince me of anything. And I, I, it's what I see when people do political posts. And regardless of what side of political issue they're on, if you get so ignorant and angry and insulting, I, I, then I don't want to listen to you anyway. And I'm also going to start thinking, it's like, huh, person's apparently an idiot. <laughs> Even if I were predisposed to agree with them, I'm just going to have to assume you're an idiot. Maybe you're not right. When, when someone doesn't show the, the, the common sense to rein it in, that that goes pretty far in convincing you in the other direction. Just like, for example, like Michael Jordan is my favorite all-time basketball player. To me, he is the greatest of all time. But I understand and can respect the argument 
that LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan because people have made a lot of valid points to state that. And I can acknowledge it, but even if I acknowledge that, Michael Jordan is still my all-time favorite player. Do you give any consideration to Sean Bradley as the greatest player of all time? Sh- Sean Bradley? <laughs> wow. I got to look at the stat sheet. That's a deep dive to a seven-foot-tall, Richie Cunningham-looking guy who the Sixers picked with the second pick years ago. He was a terrible player. Um, this is a real deep dive, folks. I am sorry. Terrible player, and he was actually, uh, to the people who saw Space Jam starring Michael Jordan, Mm-hmm. And the whole plot was aliens came down and drained all the talent from these great NBA players. And one of the players they drained the talent from was Sean Bradley Ball. Thing is like, ah, gotta feel bad for that alien because he just probably became a worse basketball player by getting Sean Bradley's talent. <laughs> I didn't know he was part of that. That is terrible. Most of what I know about basketball comes from Space Jam and Eddie. That's about it. So. <laughs> Oh, my God, Eddie. You were probably the first person to bring up that Whoopi Goldberg classic since <laughs> since the weekend it was released. Right. Yep. <laughs> it was on TV a lot. I have whole parts of it memorized, and it's not doing any good in my life. Like, that's my favorite when you have stupid stuff like that in your brain, and you're just like, you know, I could be really good at math, but no. I'm going to know all the jokes from a Whoopi Goldberg movie. <laughs> Every now and then, if I'm home, a sick day, or I, I have an off day where I got to watch the kids or whatever reason, and if the view comes on and there's Whoopi Goldberg, and I'm just thinking, it's like, wow, she was an above the title movie star for a while. That just seems weird. And no offense, a very talented actress, an Oscar winning actress, but it just seems weird. It's like, well, same thing when I see a Joe Pesci movie. Oh, wow. There's certain actors who you just think of as they're a great supporting actor, not the person that you go out to a movie to see. I can see that, yeah. We just watched a couple of old movies with Joe Pesci. I'm like, oh my God, he's really good in this, but he's not the leading role. Right, right. Oh, loved him in uh, Lethal Weapon 2 and, of course, Raging Bull and the Scorsese films that he did. He was always amazing, but it's like, no, nah, he's the guy who should be like angry, yelling, and swearing in while Robert De Niro was propelling the plot forward. I swear, this reminds me of something that actually brings it back to Last Jedi. I was just reading someone talking about how amazing Adam Driver is in this movie and how he's finally getting recognition for what a good actor he is, which I just want to bring up because I concur. I don't know if he's my favorite actor in this film. That feels a little bit harder to say. He has great moments. And he plays the conflict well, but I'm not sure that he has the growth. You know, when we were talking about the storylines, we keep coming back to Poe, Finn, and Ray and Luke since he kind of anchors it all. I don't know that that Adam Driver comes to mind, but I mean, he is, he's absolutely brilliant with what he does. He's a very, very good actor, but... I, we, I, I need, Tierney, you are going to be the voice of your gender right now. <laughs> it's a lot of responsibility. When they have the scene where Ray and Kylo are force talking, he stands up, he's got his shirt off. For some reason, he appears to be slathered in baby oil. Don't know why. <laughs> and she has to ask him to, can't you cover up? Apparently because of his awesome shirtlessness and just raw sexual power. 
Are, are you seeing it? Am I missing? I have never gotten that. I watched Girls, which he is great. And, and it's funny because the minute he was sure, he's like, yeah, that seems about right. <laughs> I've seen that before quite a bit. But I don't find him attractive like that. So it just made me laugh <laughs> more than anything. Well, also the point of Girls was they weren't, n- none of the people in that, Lena Dunham and he, the, sort of the point was, these aren't movie star looking people. And by the way, people who aren't perfect tens, they also like to take their clothes off and have sex as well. I think he's flexing a little in that scene. <laughs> oh, he's almost definitely flexing in it. Not as bad as my favorite is uh, if you watch the commentary for one of the early episodes of Game of Thrones when Rob, Theon, and John are all together. So it's a really early, it might be the pilot. I don't even remember. It's so funny because they're all flexing so hard that they're like having trouble saying their lines. <laughs> I think the commentary was like, oh yeah, they were all like practicing before we started filming because they're all three shirtless together. And it's the, the three hot young actors just going away. And it was, yeah, that always makes me laugh anytime there's an actor with a shirt off and just like, <laughs> you're probably having a really hard time breathing right now. <laughs> it was unnecessary, but it was worth it for the middle-aged man next to me who sighed very loudly when that scene came on. Well, shirtless or not, Kylo was definitely, he was my favorite character in the movie. I loved his art. I loved his acting. I loved his turmoil. Um, he did it all for me in, in that movie. So he stole the show for me. I, I want to start talking about the things we did not like about it. Yeah, well, Michael, why don't you start us off? What, what was the one thing that just didn't quite click for you in Last Jedi? You're, you're on record that you love this movie, but with any movie, what, what's the uh, cinema sense? No movie was is without sin. So what is the... My biggest issue with the movie, but I can accept it. Again, this goes back to me being too involved in all the hype prior to it, is that uh, Ryan Johnson did say that we were going to see levels of the force we'd never seen on the silver screen before. And he compared it to the classic 2D animated Clone Wars, the scene where Mace Windu fights all the robots. That's what the comparison came to. So in my head, when I finally acknowledged, like, oh, there goes Luke and he's walking out. I'm expecting Luke to deflect all those that phaser with his lightsaber, come out untouched, and start crumpling those walkers. We didn't get that. So that was super disappointing to me. Although I can acknowledge what Luke did was the greatest amount of force power we have seen on screen next to what Leia does. So I can acknowledge that that is beyond super freaking powerful. It's just not what I would have done in the Star Wars movie. I would have had Luke go ape over all of that. Like he just would have went in. I would have got, got I would have done the Kylo rant, Kylo and Luke fight, but they did not give that to me because again, this is about passing the torch and rekindling the fire of the rebellion. So I get it, but that is what disappointed me. All right. So cuz I'm now thinking about the final battles cuz one of the things that I loved was that Kylo and Rey both considered the idea of flipping allegiances and ultimately didn't because I know that was a big discussion going in of gray Jedi and what that would mean and all that. I love that Hux is evil. Phasma is evil. Yeah. Like these are our bad guys. These are our good guys. We're kind of getting back to that. And then we've got these two people who are conflicted, but ultimately know where they stand. I felt like Phasma was an afterthought in this movie 
you have that great scene with Finn, but she shows up for that, and that is it. The Benicio Del Toro character, whose name I haven't even bothered to memorize, obviously. Like, there were so many things where you have these great actors, you have these great characters, you have a good setup, and then it was just kind of like, eh, what are we doing with them? And I think it's because there was so much happening in this movie. (laughs) Some things did kind of get lost in the shuffle. Again, I found the entire chase story to essentially be boring. I mean, I I got what they were doing and why they had to do it that way, but I felt no investment really in what was going on there other than what's happening to Leia. Where is Leia? Is Leia okay? (laughs) For obvious Carrie Fisher reasons. Every storyline had great things in it, but I was so much more invested in, I, I said on the island, really Luke and Ray. Because Ray has all the stuff with Kylo and back and forth. The rest of it, if it hadn't been there, I wouldn't have missed it. And it, that seems like a shame when you have these great... What, what you can tell is good setup, but didn't feel like it paid off in the moment. And some of that, some of that may pay off in 9. I think I would be a little bit more confident in that if it was going to be the same director for 9 instead of going back to Abrams. But some of it... Probably won't, just because there's going to be other stuff that they need to do. That's sort of where I have questions with the movie. It's not a particular scene. At the end of the movie, I just looked at it, and I've said this before, there are so many dangling threads, so much that needs to be wrapped up. Things like Ray and Poe finally meet at the very end of this movie. It was, the music swelled, and it just seemed like there was so much meaning to this, like, I'm Ray, I'm Poe, or or however they did it. And it's like, wow, that's, they haven't even begun whatever interaction there's going to be with that. Also, like, Benicio Del Toro's character betraying them, but doesn't really seem like he wants to betray them. It's like, oh, that's going to be something that it looks like they're going to have to wrap up. And the rebellion being in such terrible shape is like, oh boy, in the next movie, they have to sort of have that rebuilt and tell that story. There's just so many stories to be told. And because sometimes felt like a bottle episode movie, it's like, boy, the next movie is going to have to be six hours long to tie everything up. They, they keep saying this is going to be a trilogy. This is going to be a trilogy. It's like, wow, the third part of this trilogy has a lot of work to do. It feels like they could have had a little bit more movement on some of these plot lines so that third movie doesn't have to do so much work. Jay Abrams has got a, his work cut out for him. It is going to be, I, I'm sure the first script is going to be, is going to be massive. They're going to have to find ways to par things down and plot lines are going to have to be sacrificed. It's sort of a movie where, if this movie had come out 10 years earlier, I guarantee you they would have they would have split it up like they were doing a lot with the Harry Potter where the last movie was split up into two. Uh, the last of the Mockingjay movies, the Jennifer Lawrence films where it was split up into two. Like, this could be a movie where I could see them having to do that because there's just too much plot to, to cover in one film. But it looks like they're going to figure out a way to do it. And we're supposed to think of Empire at the end as well. And I do, but I feel like Empire gave you what the next step was going to be. Maybe you didn't know exactly how they were going to wrap up Vader and that you had opened this whole can of worms with Vader, which gave a whole new dimension to the rebellion versus the Empire and Han is gone and blah, blah, blah. But in that last shot, you know, 
All right, so they're gonna work on Han, they're gonna do, you kind of got what was gonna, where it was going, at least to get started. There was something to hang your hat on there, plot-wise. And this feels just so much bigger and vaguer. And I think that's what it's supposed to, it's supposed to feel like that because they're going to open up the opportunity for so much more to be placed in these films. Because obviously Disney's doing a Star Wars movie every year. And it seems like the pattern is going to be every other year is a brand new Star Wars movie, but every opposite year will be a flashback movie. Like we're getting Han Solo next year, or we did Rogue One the year before. Ryan being such a big fan of the Star Wars trilogy and growing up with it, I really enjoy what he did with the story on And I know it's a lot, but it also gives new directors and new writers a clean platform to build upon. Like I said, this movie slaps you in the face with obviousness. As Kylo said, let it burn. Let the old burn. Kill it dead. You know what I just realized when you were saying that? I still have the mindset, and I shouldn't because it has been years and Disney and all that. I still have the mindset that there are nine episodes of the Skywalker saga. That's not necessarily true. When you said like there, there could, you know, every other year a Star Wars movie versus a flashback movie or a standalone movie. And, and it's so funny because I grew up, I got into Star Wars in the nineties and, you know, heir to the empire and Lucas being in control. And it's just like, no, Lucas said there are nine. So there must be nine. Right. Right. You're like, that's not like, a signed contract in blood anywhere. Like they could just keep going. This doesn't, this actually doesn't have to all be wrapped up in the next movie. I, I know there's talk that Ryan Johnson, instead of doing the ninth film, he's getting his own trilogy to sort of oversee. And I wonder if that, and they say it's not going to be a Skywalker trilogy, but that doesn't mean it couldn't be Ray or it couldn't be Poe or, and I just wonder if that's, what's going to be taking over from those off years where, as Michael said, you have the flashbacks, you know, Rogue One, Solo, the Boba Fett movie that they have teased. The other years would be the Ryan Johnson film. And then, you know, that'll take over. And as, as Michael said, they spent a lot of money for this franchise. It's not going to be at the end of nine. It's like, okay, we're going to close the doors on these. I know there's billions of dollars still to be made, but, you know. <laughs> But George Lucas sort of vaguely said there was only nine of these movies before. We're, we we, we want to keep to his word. That ain't going to happen. That is not how business works. It's not. And I'd like to point out to all the fanboys and, and fangirls that are upset at this and stating how it's not their Star Wars film. Luke Skywalker wouldn't do this or that. George Lucas left a bunch of notes with Disney when he sold it to them about what he thought the next film should be about. And Disney is going on record saying they haven't used a lot of them. But the one thing that Ryan Johnson did use from George Lucas is that Luke Skywalker would be a, a hobo hiding away in the galaxy. That was George Lucas's idea, that he would abandon the Jedi Order and that he would be in hiding, not wanting anything to do with it. That is a George Lucas idea. So are we, are we still mad at it? No, there's petitions and stuff to get George Lucas back involved here or to, or to get rid of this movie. And the biggest plot point of the movie was his idea. Like, I really want people to... Actually, I don't. If you don't do it, forget it. You ain't got to. But there are so... Like, for people to say that Ryan Johnson has disrespected Star Wars and he's not a real fan or anything, man, that entire movie oozes that this dude loves Star Wars. Oh, yeah. You don't have to like the movie, but 
don't say or don't question his love of this franchise because it it was in every scene and every the movie just emanated that affection. You don't make this movie. You don't tweak the conventions unless you're really tuned into those conventions. Ryan Johnson knows these movies and he loves them. And that's why I like the jokes. It felt like it anchored it in kind of that heart and feeling of the original trilogy, but now moving off and doing its own thing. Yeah, so I mean, I can't wait to see what they do with it. I mean, there was just so many callbacks, so many good moments in there. It's telling you what we're doing here. Don't be prepared. <laughs> be prepared. Not what you think. Um, <laughs> I, I can't. I can't speak on it enough. Like I really, really enjoyed it. I can't wait for the next movie. And like I said, I just had a couple gripes with it, but I can't think of one movie where I don't have an, a one, at least one issue wrong with it. All right, guys, this has been an amazing conversation. It's always great having you guys on. And this is fun. Uh, I think, Mike and Tierney, this is the first time you guys have been on the, the same conversation. Yeah, I think so. I, it's it's tough. Michael, uh, he prefers working with Katie. but uh... <laughs> Oh, I see. We, we kind of just hit it off with a couple of the podcasts that we've done. just happens we have a lot in common when it comes to fandom. But I, I see you and I are on the same page, too. We're all friends here. Tierney, you have just become Michael's uh, side chick. So uh, you're, you're his podcasting side chick. Michael, talk to us about the Hotshot universe. Uh, as you said, your Kickstarter has reached its goal. What else is going on with Vigilance and Hotshot and everything else cool that you guys are doing at Freestyle Comics? Oh, well, we are pretty much we're getting, we're planning our 2018 year, figuring out what Kickstarters we're going to be doing next year, assigning and, and signing new creative teams to, we have a couple of new titles coming out next year. Zero Event will be a three-issue limited series, and that's going to be penned by Victor Dandridge and drawn by Mike Lancet. I got my internship class starting January 8th, and they will be working on Cypher number three, keeping the Vigilance team together. They just finished issue number three of Vigilance, which that Kickstarter was set as a goal at $2,500, and we raised $7,012 for that Kickstarter. They're diving right into issue four. Ethan is writing Heroes International 4. He just finished Heroes International number three. And Heroes International is probably going to be our next Kickstarter at the very beginning of next year. And then we'll be going into our Emerald Quest title and repeating the process all over again. We're going to try to release a lot of content next year. We did a lot this year. We're going to try to double it up next year. Fantastic. And uh, your web, the website is? No, shortfusemedia.com. And then, but obviously you can get Freestyle Comics, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And it's Freestyle Comics, comics with a K, K-O-M-I-C-S. Well, we recommend everyone check it out. You're just doing great work. And the quality of your Kickstarters are so amazing. The thing that always amazed me is when Hotshot, yeah, Kickstarter, you had the Hotshot action figure. And then I know you have a Vigilance action figure. I just can't imagine how cool it is to hold those action figures in your hand. It's it's pretty cool. Hotshot's right here right now, like less than a foot away from me. Ordered one of the Vigilance figures, Kickstarter or whatnot. But uh, the, the action figure thing is actually uh, short fuses. Thing. They've been doing that for a while. They do the uh, the custom packaging and everything. I had an intern that worked with me last year that made me my own figures of Void, Vigilance, and Hotshot. Uh, that's what he did for the internship project. So, like, those are the only figures that I have. It is cool. It is really, really cool because I have Hotshot here right now with Naruto and Rock Lee standing face to face. Tierney, you have wrapped up. You, you have wrapped up your minute by minutes and you're about ready to produce a human being. So I don't know how much other podcasting you're planning. Well, actually, I have a podcast in the planning stage. We're just not sure when it's starting. Um, I'm going to stick in the movies by minutes world. But a friend and I are going to do MASH, the Robert Altman film. 
and then move into the TV series from there. But it's going to be interesting because my best friend and I bonded when we got to grad school and realized we were the only two people our age who were still super into the TV show MASH. We both love the original movie, and I'm coming at it from having wanted to be a Hollywood director as a kid and being super into all the movies and then going to college and being a military history major. And she got into it because she wanted to see the movie, the TV show is based on, and she was a feminist studies major. So we have very different angles we're coming at from. So that will be a very interesting movie to look at from those two points of view, because there is some problematic stuff in there. Oh, the way they treated Hot Lips in that, just the fact that they named the character Hot Lips. It's a whole thing on what does she actually stand for and where where is her role in these things. Also, the whole Suicide is Painless song comes about because someone decides he would rather commit suicide than be homosexual and they are convincing him that no, death is not actually the solution for that. It's a movie set in the 50s made in the 70s. It is a very different approach to all these things than we're going to have looking at it in 2018. And we're also going to enjoy, I mean, some of the gags in that movie are just so brilliant. They're so funny, even all these years later. I'm really excited for that. I just don't have a start date because this is my first time producing a human. So it's going to take a little while. It feels like that's kind of taken over my life lately. But if you follow me on social media, my Twitter's one steel sister, O-N-E-S-T-E-E-L-E-S-I-S-T-E-R. I will have updates when I know more. And in the meantime, I retweet a lot of Star Wars stuff and, and cute dogs and things like that. So it's, it's not like you're wasting your time if you follow me. And I have a couple books that are almost ready to start trying shopping around. But again, I don't know when the, any of this is happening. <laughs> I got one all the way written of the plot, but I forgot that if you make a story about a time-traveling Roman citizen, you need to include the Latin and ancient Greek, not just put, like, brackets and then the English translation. (laughs) So it's taking a little bit longer to finish that one up than I had anticipated. Yeah, I could see that. There's a lot of things where it's like, well... This is something that eventually will be available out in the world. Unfortunately, I don't have a time for any of it. <laughs> Tierney, we, uh, first off, again, congratulations. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to get you back on bef- before you have the little one. We hope you consider Cosmic Geppetto home away from home for podcasting because uh, you're always awesome. And we always have such a great time with you with you on the show. I love guesting on here. I've got to talk about Wonder Woman and Star Wars in the same year. This is amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, it's always great having you on. You always make it bring the goods. And Michael, it's always fantastic having you on. You, you always bring uh, the smarts and you always are good and <laughs> off when you come on. And that's fun. <laughs> Yeah, when we got on and you were ready to fight, I was like, I'm sorry, we all seem to agree. <laughs> I just had to make sure where we stood. <laughs> Want to know ahead of time. We are supporters of Freestyle Comics. We hope you consider Cosmic Geppetto Podcast a voice for your company. We love having you on. Katie misses you. We'll be getting together Honey Badger and her amazing friends soon. 
uh, I don't know if you caught, but Katie decided that's the name of she, you, me, and Jarf get together as Honey Badger and her amazing friends. <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome. I love being on the show. I appreciate it so much. I try to hold back. <laughs> I'd love to be on more. Like, I'm not going to be greedy. I want to grab my welcome. You are always welcome. You guys are the best. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, please have a great night. Celebrating, it is uh, New Year's Eve 2017, the Mendenhall family, we're all snuggled up in bed watching Netflix countdown cartoons. Heather, how you doing? Good. This is a crowded room. Yes. What was your favorite thing of this year? The Good Doctor. Describe The Good Doctor, in case anybody isn't familiar with it. It is a TV show on... It's one of the networks. (laughs) It's one of the networks. It's one of the big networks. And it is about a man who becomes a surgical doctor who has autism. And it's a pretty profound case of autism. This is somebody who they weren't even sure could live on his own. Part of the plot is they're still not sure he can live on his own, right? Right, but in a hospital, he functions amazing. Right. Except for social, but he's getting better. This is the first new show you've liked in a while. Yes, but the actors and the storyline, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's nice. It's nice for you to have a show that you like because, like I said, it has been a while since there was a new show. And it's relatable. Hey, everybody, all little men in the hall, say Happy New Year! Happy Happy New Year! episode of the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast. Big thanks to Tierney, Dave, Thomas, Brian, Mike, Sean and Beth, Tom Bacon, and, of course, Heather and the Little Mendenhalls. We will list everyone's info on our website so you can follow and support everyone kind enough to join the show. Upcoming to the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Tom Bacon returns to talk about the Marvel Netflix shows. Till then... Stay marvelous and happy new year. Subscribe to the Cosmic Geppetto podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Rate and review us while you are there. Follow us on Twitter at Cosmic underscore Geppetto, and we will follow you back. We would also love to hear your ideas for upcoming episodes, so email us at CosmicGeppetto at Comcast.net or visit our website, 
www.cosmicgeppetto.com. It's fun. You should visit. On behalf of Cosmic Geppetto Studios, we'd like to wish you and yours a happy new year.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.